0: Hi, I'm Mark Morales, anchor of Spider Man Deadpool, and you are listening to 11 O'Clock Comics.
1: I'm
2: Command. All oh, for you. Bro. Ah, that's for me. Yeah. It's for the people. Always do it for the people.
3: That's why, that's why we're here. Also for the people. Oh, um,. I realized this when I was doing my previous video, which is uploading um, now. <laughs> it, no, it was uploading right before. It, it, I mean, you no, know, it's done uploading. I'm posting it. I was posting it to Patreon, but um, it finished uploading before nine o'clock. Um, I was I was mistaken with the last God. That's a one shot. The book is still continuing. This yeah. um, call the children or so, whatever is in the August DC Connect. That's. Right. That's a one shot. And, and I not, just received an
2: email from D C B S saying that the previous solicitation has been canceled. And because it's in this month. Because it's so in yeah. this month. Yeah. But it's a right. little I mean, that's a little late for a cancellation. This previous has been out for a good stretch of time. But uh, yes. it, it all works. Right. I was yeah. I would order it anyway. So right. I, I was I started speaking of Lascott, I started to read the, the guidebook. Ooh. Wow. It's it's a meaty read. It'll take you a good Couple days to read that issue. And, um, the neat thing about it is there's fifth edition rules in it that you can adapt all of, uh, like the characters and the, 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 the plot and the scenes, uh, to fifth edition, which means that it's not too far away from DCC rules, which is awesome. So I think they got a good thing here. I would like to see more of these guidebooks. Like it's, it's a broad overview of, the environs and the people and the the races and stuff, but I want to see race specific guidebooks and history books. That would be great if they start doing that. Cause I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. That's like Jason's fascination with the Ohatmo. If If you're going to dig into the, the race memory of a, a particular people and go all the way back to the beginning and tell me everything that happened since the beginning of time and who they hate and what they fear and what they fought and what they eat. Like I love that shit. Even if it doesn't factor into the current issue of the comic, I don't care. It just it just makes the world much more vivid. But man, that's just me. And and we're here for you. What is this? Oh my goodness, it's eleven o'clock comics, episode six hundred and ninety. Bearing down on that magic seven hundred. I don't know why seven hundred's magic, but I just thought I'd say it. And I'm Vince B.
3: Ooh, you are Vince B. And it it took us a minute to get here. Uh I am David A. Price.
0: Yes, you are. And of course, I am Panthro.
3: <laughs> S- <laughs> succinct. Yeah, There you go.
2: Uh, you're not Panthro. You're Jason-O. Oh, oh, oh. Son Thundercats of... is on Hulu now, bitch. Oh, yeah. The OG? Are... Yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah. I, I think the revival wasn't all that bad either, but I the OG.
0: With I'm going to start with the OG because we just finished up uh, Clone Wars, and we're going to watch the Thundercats. Love it. That's great. Raise them right. So, That's right. Yeah. But you're James not.
3: Mateus on that reboot. Yeah. 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 You're Jason yeah,
2: Wood. We're going to get it in. Because y'all there don't you know your scripts. Before <laughs> Yeah, and here comes another part of the the uh, preordained talk. It's like Discount Comic Book Service, y'all. DCBService.com. Have the books you want at the price you want to pay. And they deliver them, what? Right to your door. The list of specials has been up. And uh, here they are. From Marvel. You got to get this. Please don't sleep on this. If you haven't read the issues as, as they were coming out, get this collected edition. It's the first 12 issues of uh, Jason Aaron and Mahmoud Asrar's Conan the Barbarian. Dare I say it's masterful? It is. Uh, we all enjoyed it. And now we get to read a nice big chunk of it under hard covers. Not for the price thirty four ninety nine That's listed on the back. No siree, Bob. You can get it for $17.49. That's 50% off. Over at Image, big doings. Uh, at the helm, Rick Remender with artists Andrew Robinson, Eric Powell, Tula Lotte, Wes Craig, Roland Bashi, Simone Mayo, Marguerite Savage, Duncan Fagredo, Yannick Paquette, Mike McCone, Dave Johnson, Moreno, Denisio, and many more. It's the scumbag. First issue of an ongoing series, rotating artists, same writer, Rick Remender. Cover price three ninety nine. Super smart. You knows you're only gonna pay a dollar ninety nine at discount comic book service. And last up, it is the uber talented Daniel Warren Johnson and Wonder Woman Dead Earth hardcover collects all four issues of the DC Black Label miniseries under one hardcover for twenty nine ninety nine. Shaking your head, <laughs> you're giggling a little bit. Because you know that you saved 50% by paying $14.99. It is the best deal in town, in the state, in the country. DCBService.com. There's no other place to go to save this kind of money. Nicely done. Yeah. Street corners, we even beat them, guys. Yeah, there's, there's people selling comics on the street corner. Hey, you want to copy that Deadpool? Thank Come Thank you, Yeah.
3: Sure. You know what I had in my hands today? Oh, do we want to know? At the, well, I mean, you do, but I'm, I'm talking about when I went to the comic shop because I forgot. Um, uh, I was there yesterday, but I didn't have. I I I take my um my messenger bag, and I forgot it yesterday. And I don't like taking their bags, so since I'm there fucking every day anyway, I didn't care. So I I, I only had one book waiting for me another a white dwarf. So, um, I I had uh the um Superman Man of Steel issue by Wheezy and John Bogdanov and Dennis jank, where Superman fights Lobo
2: oh the one with the 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 color forms that no. you can
3: or well it wasn't the variant then it wasn't no, wasn't the color forms no the color forms the color forms I thought was the milestone cover the the world's collide
2: um i i don't know i'm thinking it's the lobo
3: Yeah. Cause, uh fifth memory serves this this had the word fight on one side of the cover all the all the way down behind lobo as he was coming down on top of um beating Don superman i'll get it i'll 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 tell you what issue what because obviously also- I
2: type like a herd of rhinos so I was gonna google it while you were talking but you didn't drag it out on No, well
3: the thing is but I, as i'm because i always they have so many um short boxes and, and drawer boxes that i i go i'll pick a box and i'll just start flipping through it and and i've told them that listen you know there are no conventions right now and and i would love to you know be able to take advantage of of, of you guys if if you were doing three for a dollar and, and i'd be here in a heartbeat but nothing is organized like there's there's savage dragons and sagas and 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 old car warrior issues from epic i mean things are just randomly shoved in these boxes i said i'll i'll organize it i'll I'll take half your shit and i'll organize it but the um Mm. i had the four also in my hands today the four die cut covers of the return of superman yes nice Brand right, of Superman, and I'll probably buy those. I, they, they might even be two bucks a pop, and I don't. I mean, I I would buy them from them just because I like these guys. See, even I got to no part
2: ways with you on the organizational aspect of, of the bins. It's It works in your favor if those things oh, are not no, organized. I'm saying,
3: yes, I, 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 nothing is organized, which is fine, because I don't know what I'm going to find in there.
2: The The thing that gets me, and I always go back to it, was the wild pig sale. That one time we were there where they hid special books in um, various locations throughout the store, and you can get these books for the same price that you would. As I think all the issues were like, what, uh, a dollar or
0: less, right? All the back oh, issues. Oh, yeah, those, those, early, those early Wild Pig sales were an absolute treasure trove. Right, yeah.
2: and uh, because the books were organized and alphabetized, some I forget who it was. It, uh, it may have been uh, Spano Mano, one of the, one of the guys. I was looking for Amazing Spider-Man 300. I want. I would have paid a, a decent price for a, a, a good grade issue, and they had carefully hidden a copy of Amazing Spider-Man 300 in the thing. And just because he got to the S's or the yeah the A's or whatever it was before me, he got it. And now, if those things were just hidden all willy nilly, we'd about be on an even, even uh, well, playing field. I mean, that, yes, okay. Because you make a beeline exactly to where you want to go. I want transformers. Go to the T. Right. But if yes, you're looking so, for transformers and there's issues scattered throughout 200 long boxes, everybody's yeah, got to just... go through each box. There's no skipping.
3: It shouldn't. But if it, it doesn't necessarily, we love the scavenger hunt. But if someone is like, you know, if someone is just there looking for issues of weapon x then they should just hit up the w's like why should they start in the c's
2: are these budget books or are these regular back issues
3: these are no there's there is no it's not like here's here's a smattering of of random issues and then here's our official back issue bins there are a couple of things there are a couple of sections that 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 are, are catered to publishers and again they might just have like marvel stuff they're not necessarily broken down by title they just kind of maybe grouped the publisher because uh, if they're I, the I, cheapy
2: I, bins i wouldn't organize them either
3: oh no no yeah, yeah but they're not they're 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 kind of usually at, at most like two two bucks a pop uh there's some things that are a little cheaper um but i i found a um marvel spotlight number seven so it's 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 an early star lord so i i pulled that out and i'll get that next week
2: nice Good stuff,
3: but you already have that. I don't know if that issue's in the um in the on the bus. Gotta be, got it. Might be, yeah, might be. But But it's nice having the original. Yes, yes, yes. And and I mean, it's not like this shop's been around where they've had this for since 1976. It's it's someone dropped off a bunch of old books, and and that's what they'll sometimes do. They'll just they'll take the books and then they'll they'll sort through it to see like what might be um worth marking up to put in the case and then others they just dump in a short box and and then you know they let you go in and search for shit which i i love doing so i don't mind it at all yeah it's the best
2: i think we're gonna swing jason to our way of thinking soon he he he, he brought all the art this year it's time to change it yeah up. no he left the cornfield he'll come back He'll
0: come back. It's yeah. It's very unlikely, but unlike uh, some other co-hosts on the show, <laughs> uh, I'm not going to make like complete 100% proclamations because we all <laughs> know how that goes.
2: Why you can talk about David? He's right there.
0: Jeez,
3: <laughs> oh, right here.
0: Mm-hmm. It's hurtful. <sighs> so let's keep. I it. love the idea. Uh, sorry, I love the idea of of digging for back issues, but I it just don't. I don't have anything that I. It it's just. Uh, but that's the point. You don't have anything so, you're looking you're for. Yeah. No, but I'm not that kind of shopper. I've always been whether it be going to the mall or whatever, I I like to go knowing what I want, I go and find it and I get it. I don't I'm so, not the which is why you I mean, I know you this is why you love uh, flea markets. Like you love the, the 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 serendipity of just discovering something you didn't even know existed or you wanted yep. until you see it. Okay. I'm totally the opposite. I do not so like to stumble upon things like, oh, maybe I want this. Like that I'm like, no, I'm looking for this. Let me figure out I, where I can get it, where I can get the best deal, what I think the best version of it is, let me go get it. Like that's 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 full to my vote. So you now,
2: want to wrangle the universe. My my cosmology does not work that way. Sure. I, I ask sure. and maybe it gives it to me, maybe it doesn't. If it so, doesn't, right. then I didn't need it in the first place.
3: You like so like what Jason just said about you and flea markets events. So 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 that's pretty much accurate. Like you go to flea markets and you just want to look for whatever crazy wacky shit you might find, and is 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 that is that safe to say? That's
2: one hundred percent, yeah.
3: With me, when I go back issue diving, it's not necessary to look for something like, oh, okay, I can't believe you know, I found this. I'm not I'm not looking for for top dog or or, or random issues of of um of techno comics, but if if what I tend to look for, like those issues of Superman I just mentioned, that's that's for me. I go back issue diving, maybe to fill some gaps, but it's it's that emotional, sentimental attachment. I I had the Superman issues. I don't anymore. It's not it, it's not always because I want to reclaim something I once had, but it's going to. I I feel like it it transports me back to that time when i enjoyed these stories when when i didn't i didn't care about all the bullshit about everything else about comic books i was just i could read these stories and and just be sucked into them whatever you know however my my 12 13 16 year old mind took it i just i like being reminded of those times so it's it's more of a time machine for me i'm curious to know if other people when they go back issue diving like brian clark right now is going crazy for the milestone stuff and i love that i absolutely loved it and and i know he may have missed the boat the first time around so that's cool that he's going to read it now with 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 fresh eyes and see something that was so um groundbreaking in the 90s And, and and i'm curious to know how he how it reads today but for someone who hasn't read it but um
2: i think it would read very well today
3: Two things. I think someone who would be extremely topical. Go ahead. Yeah. Number one, nostalgia
2: is the fuel for all of our engines. I mean, you you say you know you want to recapture through back issues what the the feelings that you felt when you were sixteen and and younger. Is, isn't that? The same feeling we get when we look at a new Spider-Man series and we're just like, yeah, that either works because it takes us back or it doesn't because it takes us other places. So I think I think nostalgia is the driving factor of all of this stuff and two boggles my mind why the milestone stuff has not been. Uh, collected in omnibus format it's there's no logical reason other than maybe there's something tied up in the rights it's it's yeah Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's,
0: it's, it's those
2: stories should have been collected by now because they're awesome
0: about a month or two ago it was announced because i think they were going to do it at san diego that allegedly and we've heard this before all of the rights issues are finally solved um so we should Theoretically, be in line to get reprints, digital issues, uh, nice archival uh, versions of it now. And also, this was in the context—I forget which site it was. I think maybe it was Comics Beat, but um, we also are in line where um, they are going to put new milestone content out. Great, which would obviously be amazing. We would love it. But, uh, but you know, I'm holding my breath now because that was all before that news all came before the the latest salvo of things. So I, yeah. you know, I don't know if that changes plans. So. I say that with take that with a grain of salt. Uh,
2: I don't know the the intricacies of the rights issues. Uh, who owns these milestone characters?
0: Well, it's a, I mean, I again, I don't. I'm, I don't know the intricacies either. I just know that it's been contested between the milestone founders and their corporate entities and DC. Okay, is, so DC believes they have a stake in these characters. no, okay, no, no, I mean, no, DC no, no, DC publish. owns the characters. DC. Yeah. DC owns Milestone. They acquired Milestone a couple years back. Okay, they own it lock, stock, and barrel. But I guess there were some issues, and it, I don't know if it's one of those things where there's characters that were in Milestone that aren't fully owned by Milestone, and they're owned by one of the creators. or I don't know if there's if it was a thing where um where like one of their states had I, that. I don't know. I but but for whatever reason, they bought Milestone, and then something happened that made it difficult for them to do anything with it. I'm assuming one or multiple of the milestone founders believe they still had some rights and they litigated over it. And I don't know who won. If there was a winner, all I know is, like I said, allegedly everything has been put to bed, but that's all I know.
2: I'll tell you, if they put Dennis Cowan back on hardware and launch a new series, you're going to hear me squee from wherever you are in, in, in Jersey. Yeah. That would be the berries. And they were all great too. Blood Syndicate, Icon. That, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Static was my least favorite, just because I couldn't oh, relate. out that with the kids, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, I couldn't exactly. relate yeah. at the time. Right. I was in my my mid to late twenties. Like, okay, is that um, John Paul Leon? Right, and beautiful uh, yes. art, but I mean, the, just the the whole trappings of the thing. I couldn't, I couldn't I, latch onto hard, it. But
3: hardware was hardware was fantastic. Hardware was the that was the. That was the stern, hard-hitting. Um, I mean, that was that, that. was the angry black man. And that was that was the, He, I loved Icon, and 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 I loved the attitude that that that, that the character had as far as working for for Silver, working for the Man, and it 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 was it was layered. Loved Icon, loved Blood Syndicate, and and yeah. those characters were just nuts. But I mean, aside from it being drawn by Mark Bright um i mean icon is the superman so that was that was one i had to read regardless of uh, blood syndicate was was kind of on the raw side and it was it was rough um it was one of those wise. books
2: that tried to be street without taking the defalco approach you know yeah. there was a there was a uh an honesty and an earnestness to it that didn't seem like they were just you know at the time it wasn't possible to google but you know just mm-hmm. picking out these tropes and just throwing them in just to try and be relevant it seemed like they the people behind the stories actually experienced the things that yes. they were writing about yep 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 yeah yeah it's a i mean i was crushed when that that line went under just uh and and it wasn't a huge huge seller at the at the local shop no it wasn't. but <laughs>
3: Really, in Pennsylvania? <laughs> yeah, okay. I
2: mean, I, I think maybe there was five of them. Or rather,
3: in your, in your area. It uh, was, uh,
2: sure, when it crossed over with, when Worlds Collide came out, people bought it. Because, you know, it's, it's going with the Superman books. But, um, yeah, not, not a giant seller. But, man, I just could not wait for every one of those issues. I thought they were great. I thought Zombie was a little bit on the weird side. Uh, even for that line, and and I think Zombie was towards the end when it started the the fumes. yeah that and Shadow Cabinet yeah yeah. yeah yeah. Well, we
0: talked about this uh, when Kirkman did that uh, that that a few years ago, and he did yeah, that series. Yeah. yeah, and they did a great job. Dap and I talked a lot about that episode. It was great, but you know there was a lot of bad blood with the with the Milestone guys themselves too. It wasn't. It, there was major major disagreements about. Censorship and the direction, and whether they should or shouldn't go corporate, and uh, what the line was really all about. Uh, It was not, it was a contentious group of, I mean, they were, they weren't kumbaya. I mean, they, they were, they were at odds with one another. um, They're grown ass men who
3: had, who, who who had strong opinions and and ideas, and, and weren't going to, it wasn't, it wasn't the early Marvel bullpen days. It was, they, they, because they were all in comics. They, they, you know, they've seen the shit from both sides, and, and, you know, you're not going to, I'm not, I'm not going to tell anyone. I haven't walked in your shoes, so I don't know what you've seen or what you've been through. And, and and I'm sure as hell not gonna say that to a black creator and, and, oh yeah, no, it's so it's, these are, there was, this was a labor of love. And, and I think that, um, there was, I don't think it was just a paycheck for any of them. And, uh, it's, it's, you know, yeah, I, but it's, I'm, I'm glad, so glad I was there at the start. I'm so glad I was there to see it happen. And, and, uh, and I'm glad that, you know, people like Brian and, and anybody who may be experienced, who, who may witness it and, and come across these issues for the first time. And, um, I mean, you know, if if, if someone's first introduction to, to Icon was from um, the McDuffie's run on Justice League of America, I mean, at least McDuffie got to write him. But that, that wasn't necessarily. And, and I mean, and the dude was in, in the Young Justice cartoon because Rocket was in it. I mean, it was great. I, I, I love seeing him in the cartoon. But um yeah there's just there's something magical about at the beginning yeah
1: well
2: there's a lesson to be learned uh at least for me in all this is not to wait to scoop up those issues of those series where you're just like yeah you know what i should really get all of series x and and you're like sure yeah they'll be around i'll get them you know next time we go to convention I'll, i'll i'll scoop them up and and then when you're at the convention, you don't see any or you just plumb forget to get it. And it just, it, and it goes on for years and years. And in my case, decades, where, <laughs> uh, a recent example of this is, uh, one of the things we talked about last episode was rectifying, uh, overlooked series that we, mm-hmm. you know, that we just haven't read for one uh, reason or another. And I investigated the back issue prices of All Star Squadron. Yeah, and they're ridiculous so i thought all right i'll take the path of least resistance i'll just get the showcase the showcase is not cheap either um it starts at like 40 50 bucks at least as far as ebay goes and i'm not paying 50 bucks for a black and white showcase it's not happening so uh sooner or later all of the series that we, we like to buy in back issues. There will be issues where a modern, a current creator is going to take a character from way back in the day and maybe, maybe not. It'll hit. See, that's the risk, right? And I guess there's a couple issues of All Star Squadron where characters from then have been plucked out and deposited into current and or relatively current storylines. And those issues have skyrocketed and it happens to a ton of series. So if you're looking for back issues, I think uh, the the best advice is buy them now or sooner rather than later because you're just going to end up paying more later.
3: Oh, like just even, get them. Even further, the lesson to be learned is if if you are going to look for milestone issues, make sure I am nowhere near you because I I scoop them all up and then I figure out once I get home from the weekend. What I've already gotten doubles or triples of, but if I see milestone books in the back issue bins, um, um just like with any random issues of, of Grendel M., right. they're leaving it with me. Well, right
2: now milestone books are on the super cheap, so you you have the luxury of being able to buy them all and then just weed them out when you get home.
3: What I had a good if chunk of Icon a couple years ago?
2: Yeah, but I'm just saying, what if you know someone decides to to inject those characters into? What if Schneider wants to use them in Justice League or something, yeah, uh, and then bada boom. There you yeah. go. Yeah.
0: That's no. um that's probably the last big order of of backing shoes I bought was uh was I bought like all of Cross Gen some years back for like ridiculously cheap from uh from my comic shop. Oh right. Think... Do the Chunks go for good money? No, everything was I mean I'd have to go back and look, but nothing was more than a dollar. Issue. Well, how about now, yeah. I mean? Have they risen? No, this was I mean, this was only five five years ago. This wasn't Oh. Because Chung did really good work at CrossGen.
2: And, I mean, a lot
0: of those artists Yeah, but did. Chung's not a... a I mean, I love you know, I love Chung's art, but Chung, Chung isn't a... Commercially speaking, it's... it's He's not an artist that chooses the value of a book, like, at all. That's ridiculous.
3: That's true. I mean, well,
0: no, 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 his artwork he, well, looks I mean, great,
3: but I mean, you know, he did what? Young
0: Avengers. Yeah, and, I was going to say, I mean, he hasn't done that much. I mean, he... His biggest book, I think he's... Like you said, he's most well-known for Young Avengers, I think... His biggest book from uh, what they expected it to be was the Infinity stuff that we tap out on yeah. pages from, because um, obviously those are those were the he introduced the characters who now were the main villains in the in, you know the the movie, but but um, yeah, I mean he, he you know he does he's not a um, he's not like a guy like J. Scott Campbell now who just makes his living doing covers, but he's close to it. I mean, he drew that one, I'm trying to think, he, I just read something that he drew, but, but he, he does a couple of interiors a year now, and, and a bunch of covers, and I guess seemingly makes a good enough living to he can live his best life. I don't, I don't think he has a seminal work out. I mean, I think Young Avengers would be it, and that was not a particularly massive commercial success. So, he's an amazing artist, though, no, no, no doubt about that. But he's no Todd father. These days, you can't buy a Todd inventory page for out, for less than ten grand. Jesus Christ! As it should
1: be. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, he's doing the covers on the current issues of Spawn, and he's my boy. Still got it. There you go. Yeah, it's crazy book. Uh, it's just insane. It and and it's just Todd just riffing. It makes no damn sense. He's just throwing cool characters in. Whatever, let him go. It's his book. You know.
1: Right. Yeah.
2: Living his best life, man. Yeah, does not care. Yep. So, hey, let's just talk about
0: some comics, why don't we? An hour in. You want to start doing that? Yeah. <laughs> Is that why we're here? I'm going to go first, Vince. Oh, I, oh, oh. oh. I, I like the declarative, not not the it's nice
2: for a change.
3: Yep,
0: yep. Uh, it's the book I read just before we sat down. It came in my shipment today from NBM. Uh, It is a translation of a graphic novel that was done in Italy last year, translated English this year by the NBM folks. It is Leonardo da Vinci, The Renaissance of the World by Ariel Vittori and Marwan Cahil. As you might guess, it is a biographical graphic novel about da Vinci. Uh, I think someone that we're all, at least passively intrigued by, right? I mean, how could you not be? I I don't, if, if, unless you're a complete heathen, I don't know that you (laughs) can find Da Vinci interesting on some level. I mean, he he is,
3: he's, he's right behind for me with uh, it's Michelangelo first then Leonardo.
0: All right. Yeah. I mean, he, he obviously was the very definition of Renaissance man. He was a genius um, by all accounts. He was a futurist. He drew detailed schematics of ideas and machinery and uh, all kinds of complex uh, contraptions that um, many weren't feasible at the time, but he saw them in his mind and have now very much been the rubric or the underpinnings of, of a lot of modern day devices. He was also a world class all time artist, so uh, you know we're all. I'm sure most people listening are familiar with the idea of left brain versus right brained and. It is incredibly unusual uh, for a human to have uh, master level uh, abilities on both the left and the right side of the brain, right? Like your your guy that's the greatest software coder ever and is going to build the best piece of technology is not sitting at home generally drawing jaw-dropping pictures. And that's – it'd be like if – well, it'd be like if, uh, you know, Jim Chung was – was also Mark Zuckerberg or something, right? You know, or I don't know, pick, pick your, pick your top artist. Everyone pick, but, um, but anyway, this, this is a book. It's, um, it's interesting in the sense that, that we know a decent amount about Da Vinci from a couple of different ways. We know him from his personal writings and renderings, um, and his, the apocrypha and stuff that came from it. We know from other historians of the era, Works that he did, where he was, who 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 were his patrons. So we have a, a rough understanding of his journey, um, but it was a long time ago, and, and there's a lot we don't know. We don't really know um, all of the you know the the connective tissue between these big moments, these seminal moments that make him quote unquote da Vinci and uh this book like like it would have to given that the nature of it he the the writer it makes a opening in his opening piece he says you know he's always been a storyteller and this is not a um this is not a meant to be a scientific uh tightly bound doc documentation of the man's life this was more of a um he he read a ton of da Vinci history as much as he could. He's a huge fan of da Vinci, and he wanted to com- to tell a compelling narrative that fit within the framework of what we we knew for sure. So, really, reading it the way to think about it, it's like a Forrest Gump kind of thing, right? Like like it, there's these touchstone things, whether it be the creation of the Mona Lisa or his or his move or his decision to leave uh, Florence because the Medici's were were getting pressured and. Uh, Where he was losing his patronage to go to Milan instead of Rome, with all the other artists that he was associated with, like all of those moments, you kind of get to those points in the book, and you're thinking, okay, well, this is in the history books. Like this, we know happened for sure. Lots of different perspectives on it, but then there's these inner workings where it'll be just him in his in his um, you know studio working on something and having dialogue with one of his apprentices or chastising them for not documenting something correctly. And obviously that stuff, we don't, I mean, there was no, there was no context for that. This is just in, in, um, in Cahill's mind. Right. But, but I think to his credit, uh, it makes for it, it, it does become a story. You're just basically reading as though we knew all these things to be true. And so unless you're a stickler for history and that kind of thing offends you, because I'd say roughly 50 to 70% of the book is filling in the crevices of stuff. So it's made up. um, but as long for me, as long as you like you, you can fill in those intimate moments any way you want, as long as the 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 timeline of of what we know for sure isn't being shaped or reshaped. And and that, and he did that. Um, the other thing I'll say is from a tone standpoint, um, I think it wavered back and forth where there were times it felt almost like a not a kid's book, but like a young a young ages book. In the way that it was, uh, th- there was a, a cadence or a patois to the dialogue that felt a l- little simplistic. Um, but I'm going to chalk that up to the fact that this is a trans- translation. I think that's what it is because so much of this is uh, da Vinci and his counterparts having conversation, and that would have been the way they would have spoken back then. Would be very hard to, to properly encapsulate in a comic, much less then translate it to another non-native language. So that's I'm going to chalk it up to. Um, But the cool thing about it is the art, uh, I don't think if I looked at this art just on its own, like telling any story that we might pick up a comic about, I don't know that I would have been wowed by it. It's very simple. Uh, I think the color can be muted at times, just in the way that it kind of washes together. Um, But Because it's about Da Vinci and the Renaissance, and I'm guessing this was no mistake or no coincidence, it really works because ultimately each page, kind of each panel almost looks like um, a Renaissance watercolor artist painted it, you know? Uh, And again, not like a master level painting, but something that you wouldn't be at all surprised to see as an inventory painting at a smaller museum next to something more significant. And so it felt very right. And then I do do think it was likely intentional because when he gets to the parts where he's, he's, he's showing the Mona Lisa or the, the Vitruvian man or, uh, any of, of the more well-known, very technically precise renderings, they are done very precisely. So, so all in all, it was, it was very interesting experience. There was nothing in the book factually that I didn't know about Da Vinci already. Um, there were some salient, salacious stuff about his, um, you know, his, his, his sexual proclivities or his, his interests. But, you know, we've, it's, it's long been rumored that, uh, or at least long been discussed that he was, um, that he was homosexual. And, and that was part of why he had to basically move on from his patronage because, the, the 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 Medici's protected him uh, from from the church with that. But then once they started losing their power because of the wars, um, they couldn't protect him anymore. You know, he did spend some time in jail uh, from all this. So uh, when 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 they kind of and then another patron got him out of jail. Um, so, yeah, all in all, very interesting. Uh, there's a bit of a aha at the end in terms of um, who the Mona Lisa was because for those of you that don't know the Mona Lisa, of course this most famous painting. Um, it's, it's a weird painting. If you, I don't know if how people listening have seen, had a chance to see it in person. Um, I'll go to, I'll go so far, probably blasphemy to say it's a bit anticlimactic in my opinion, uh, not because of the painting itself, but because of the way they display it. They have it displayed um, kind of in the center of this room where these massive murals are encompassing the outside walls of the gallery in this room. And you see all these magnificent, massive, scaled pieces. And then this da Vinci, which is very small, you know, it's genuine. It's like a regular portrait-sized painting with this dark background is, is in this dark square cube or whatever you want to call it in the center of the room. And I think visually, it, it I think they tr- it's meant to make an impact. But for me, it it kind of made it feel small. But that being said, um, but the Mona Lisa uh, is – there's a lot – Vince could probably speak to this much more eloquently than I could – but there's a lot of art history that has been spent on, on the, the, the painting, both in terms of its symmetry. Uh, there's a lot of complex math, math, mathematical laws that, 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 that line up with the symmetry of her face. But then there's also discussion about biologically, is it – an androgy- it's actually a more androgynous looking. Like if you were to – like they've run computer scans of the Mona Lisa and and computers don't know it to be a woman based on the way the features are um they're unclear of whether it's a man or a woman so this book plays with that i'll leave it at that i mean in case some of you do read it, it or ordered it it plays with that and kind of gives you a little aha it goes so far as to tell you who they think mona lisa was I, there i don't believe uh there's any historical validity to the claim at least that i'm aware of um but it was it was clever and no harm no foul right i don't think like again, no one's gonna throw their hands up in effigy over this. It's just one guy's interpretation of who the Mona Lisa probably was and and, and how she came to be. But uh, I dig it, man. Like I like I just love these Renaissance greats. I love the idea that someone could have been that brilliant, both in terms of hard sciences and arts. Uh, I'm very jealous of that. Uh, I mean, as you know, I love love art, but my my skill is decidedly on the other side of the brain uh, or my aptitude so uh i just really appreciate people that can pull off both because there aren't that many uh so yeah big ups to this it uh it was pretty cheap too i think it was yeah it's 1999 cover price hardcover. um i think it's just under 150 pages and uh yeah i think i paid 12 bucks for our our wonderful sponsor so go and check it check it out one more time yeah right it works with this Yes. But if you know yes, what I'm saying, yes. like like if this was a if that art was telling me a science fiction spacefaring story in that right. same style, I'd be like, eh, you know, the art's a little rough around the edges. But for this, because it's Renaissance painting, I I, I think it works. Um so yeah, it's it's the Leonardo da Vinci, The Renaissance of the World by Ariel Vittori and Marwan Cahil by NBM.
2: Yeah, I think the brush works great. The color work is spectacular. The lettering almost kills it.:
3: Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. I wonder if the original uh, I think the, the Italian might be a little more yeah, um, I'm sure it is they just, hand or flowing, right. But yeah, right. No, they just
2: didn't want to pay somebody to to actually do it right.
0: Right, they, exactly right. yeah, they just yeah. white it out or, or, or photoshopped out whatever Italian was in there and, and put the English yeah
2: but uh speaking of uh Leonardo, it's insane. That the man is regarded as one of the uh one, one of time's greatest painters, and there's maybe thirty paintings ex- that exist, maybe thirty
0: Why is that insane though
2: because it's incredible that you could you could permeate history and the 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 minds of of anybody who has ever seen your work, and there's so f- little of it out there. Like okay, if he painted the Mona Lisa, he'd be one of the greats, right? It, that that's a lock. But then you got the Last Supper and the Vitruvian. Like, what is what yeah. has what has he done? It's and and, and By you, the way, you, there are you. Only
0: 15 There They're only fifteen absolutely authenticated Da Vinci's. In right, the world it's it's, a, it's crazy,
2: but. The thing about the Mona Lisa is, and, and I'm not using this, this word in the, in the common sense, like, oh, it was, it's magic that it, the, it, it does things to me that I really can't explain. So I'm just going to call it magic. There's magic in the painting. That's the reason, in, in my estimation, that's the reason why it works. I can't explain it. I don't know what he did, but as Jason said, with the scanning and the inability to decide whether it's a man or a woman, it's ambiguous. And there are things going on in that painting that, Combine magic and alchemy that I have the, it it just that 's the reason why it is what it is because we cannot explain it, so we call it magic right, but there's there was a calculated approach to that painting that we can never explain, and so we just throw that word at it, oh, call it magic, but. I think it was much, much more than that. I think there are things that that he wove into the execution and the conception, everything about that painting, that will never, ever be explained. Until we die. and Then we can ask
0: him firsthand, if you believe that. Right. You guys may remember that uh, back in 2017, when the Salvatore Mundi was up for auction at Christie's, um, we had the good fortune uh, to, to see a private showing of it. Uh, just by happenstance, because, um, our, um, uh, the family that I, I worked for was, was, was also having art auction through Christie's at the time. So, uh, understandably they were like, oh, you know, you guys interested in seeing the Salvatore Mundi? And we're like, uh, okay, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, so we got like a two hour, like chance to just hang in the room and check it out and be t- and have people talk to us about it. Um, and, and for those that don't know what we're talking about, Salvatore Mundi was a essentially, um, another Da Vinci that was theoretically unearthed in recent times um, and went through a many year um, debunking process. Cause people were very skeptical of why this gigantic Mona Lisa Mona Lisa like portrait, no one just popped up after hundreds of years and uh, they, they could not, no one could debunk the the authenticity. Um, although even up to the point of, of the auction day, plenty of art historians were dubious that it was real because there's a difference between not being able to prove it's fake and proving that it is real, right? Um, now, all that said, the painting went at auction for $450 million. <laughs> <laughs> it's still baffling to think somebody paid that. And then what's really interesting is that then the painting disappeared. So I mean, you talk about like the greatest. I, 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 there should be a movie made about the, the what happened to that painting, because somebody paid four hundred fifty million dollars for that painting, and nobody knows what happened to it. Alien intervention. Um, yeah, right. Huh? But um, but yeah, but but it's just it's it's incredible to your point, Vince, to think about. I mean, fifteen authenticated Da Vincis, and and I mean, as the story goes, he just was this. He was the classic tortured artist. He would start things all the time and not just paint things, renderings, uh mechanical drawings, contraptions, uh, um, casts for statues. He would start things all the time and just abandon them. He would just, just he would he could work on something for years and then just never finish it. So um I hear that's that. the issue. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's the issue is he just there were a lot of Da Vinci things out there that 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 uh, other artists then would go and finish or at least allegedly did. So it's it's a complicated thing, you know. Um yeah, for sure.
2: Amazing. Yeah, I, I got to get this. I didn't uh pre-order it, but having seen the art, uh I agree with you. I think it's perfect for it and mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to scoop it up.
0: Nice. There's a great um I also like that he clearly does know his stuff because there's a scene where very young da vinci is being brought into his first mentor's uh gallery to uh to, to be introduced to everybody and uh, <laughs> uh and, and there's a a nude a very voluptuous nude woman modeling and he walks up to one particular person who's painting her and is marveling at uh at her uh, at the painting and uh, it's botticelli and I'm thinking, well, there you go. Like, like again, Botticelli was known for painting, hell yeah, very, very softing, voluptuous Woo-hoo. women. So it's it's just it was a a really nice little little wink that uh, it wasn't just some random dude that he walked up to, you know. He's
2: he's this heiress Frank
3: Joe.
2: <laughs> 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 exactly. That's right. good. Yep. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, it's good stuff. I got to get in mm-hmm. on that. Yeah. Comics should be ridiculous. Indeed. Yes, we say it all the time. And I have a yet another example. I've been uh, of late going back into the uh, the good old days and get getting my fix thanks to the dudes in the 40s and the 50s. And uh, I was just tooling around and, and stumbled upon a book from 1951. It's called Baffling Mysteries. It's Jason's book. Baffling Mysteries number 5. Get this. It, it, it's the first issue. Yet it's number 5. Why is it the first issue? Well, because the book was formerly titled Indian Braves. <laughs> That's what they would do back in the day. They would a, a book would, would not sell and they'd be like, "Okay, let's just Pick up the numbering from where it is and we'll just call it something else. Because they didn't want to go through the formalities of having to file the, the whole publication detail thing and, and let's just go run with it. We'll call it Baffling Mysteries. Has no relation to Indian Braves, but that's okay. Uh, actually it's a horror anthology. Big surprise, right? Um, published by Ace Magazines, as I said, in 1951. Not going to go through the whole issue because it is an anthology. One story in particular. <laughs> it's This is amazing, it's called the Volcano of Vengeance dun, dun, dun. and I don't know who wrote it. I have not been able to find out who wrote it. I've done pretty extensive uh searching, and nothing turned up, but that's okay because I know who penciled it. It was readily apparent to my eyes. it was pencilled by the great Mike Sikowski, wow, yes, with inks. By Vince Alasia. And here's the deal. We have a field agent for the North American Museum. His name's Todd Sloan. Todd with one D. So you know shit's going south right from the start. Good old Todd. Uh, the guy is sent on a scouting mission to this, this remote Central American country and the, the country's host to this massive slumbering volcano. Uh, called Mount Pataxo. And because of the nature of this guy's job, he bops all around remote places all over the globe. Our man Todd has pretty much seen everything. He's kind of unflappable. You know, he's been in uh, every corner of the globe. He's seen disturbing, enlightening, beautiful, terrible things. And he's 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 kind of stoic, I should say. But he's not... Uh, That all goes into the shitter because he 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 wakes up in the middle of night and there's this flesh and blood cloven hoofed satyr creeping through the darkness of his hotel room. And it turns out it's one of the fabled Pataxo goat men. This thing has horns, hooves, hair, the whole nine yards. It's a satyr in his room, bare chested. In his hotel room, what in the middle of the night? So Todd, he fumbles for the lamp at his bedside. He's like, he tells the the invader, "Yo, wait a minute, so I can put the light on, so I can see what's going on." And the guy's like, uh, the Goat Man talks back to me, goes, "Nah, it's okay, Senor. There's nothing to see here. You're dreaming. Go back to bed." And the Goat Man jumps out the window. There's an open window because I guess it was hot that night. Uh, the Goat Man jumps out the window, which was a very impressive feat, taking into consideration that the window faces a cliff with a thousand foot drop. But the thing just whoop jumps out the window. Equally amazing that once dormant var- volcano is now active. It's belching ash and lava into the sky and oh my god, it's a terrible terrible scene. So Sloane surveys the room. He's looking around, right? And he finds this slab of lava bearing the silhouette of a goat man on it. It's like, "Oh, this is the thing that he came or he was sent to this country to find these fabled goatman slabs of lava to bring back to the museum. Um, And here's one is deposited on his proverbial doorstep by a real live goatman. It's incredible, right? Uh, Unfortunately, not for Pedro. Mm -mm. Pedro's the innkeeper. And he just barges into the room, snatches the slab, breaks it, shatters it, and and he, he hopes... He's arrived in time to stave off the curse of the Goatmen. What? The slabs are Goatmen gravestones, like headstones. Um, and if an unbeliever possesses one, it will incur the wrath, the fury of the Goatmen. And see out the window? Mount Pataxo, that's the reason why that sucker's starting to fart and belch, because you have a, a, a goatman headstone. But smashing the stone wasn't enough for Pedro, because uh, he conks Todd on the noggin, knocks him out cold, and drags him into the fiery center of the volcano called uh, Cathedral Cave of the Goatmen, and he's going to sacrifice him. He's going to throw him right into the lava. Fuck you. You screwed our village. You're going in the the lava, and everything's going to be okay. Then the Goatmen will say, okay, we're appeased. Everything's all right. Carry on. They throw Todd into the scorching flames. And as, as he enters the flames, he sees uh, uh, within the, the, the gouts of white-hot flame, he sees a, a, a silhouette of a woman. And then he blanks out. But it turns out Todd doesn't die in the flames. Okay? <laughs> uh, what? Uh, he was saved by the leader of the goat people. This handsome queen, Arnie. Uh, the Goatman apparently can control the flames of Mount Pataxo. He wasn't burned because the Goatman said to the flames, Flames, don't burn them. Um, Queen Arnie was the one who sent the Goatman to bring Todd the lava slab. She knows all about him. And he. she was once in the very same position as he was. She once lived in Pedro's village and was also accused of angering the Goatman. But luckily for her, when they threw her into the fire, the goatmen are like, sweet, there's a hotty toddy. We're not going to let her burn up. We'll take her and we'll make her our queen. Um, but she wants the sacrifices to stop, mainly because the superstitious villagers have it all wrong. Um, other than these slabs of, slabs of lava commemorating the passing of a goat man, they don't give a crap about the gravestones. They don't care. There's no deep-rooted racial significance at all. As usual, the villagers have it wrong and have simply made up shit to break up the monotony of their lives and spill some innocent blood in the process. The The thing is, when the goatmen die, they're placed on a slob of lava in the, this vault of the dead within the volcano, and they melt. The it's so hot, and the heat and the flames, I guess they allow themselves to melt because they're dead. Um, once their uh, corporeal form makes an impression in the slab, they're reincarnated as mountain goats. Right? And she goes, Look, here's one now. The, here's one of my most honored goatmen, this Jan the Wise. Man, was he great. Uh, but he's dead. And now he's melting into the slab. You're going to see the process firsthand. Uh, unfortunately, the goatmen used to tease Jan the Wise because he had a broken horn. The the goatmen have two very long horns, and this one was <laughs> broken off halfway. Um, and they used to they used to chide him about it. Uh, but look, he's melting into the slab. See, that's it. That's all these things are for. They're just a device that allows our goatmen to reincarnate. But we got to stop these sacrifices. People are dying for nothing. So Queen Arnie leads Todd down a tunnel, and of course, once he exits the mouth. It disappears, so he can't go back later um, with a fact-finding expedition. He can't go grab all the slabs he can take back to the museum. It sucks to be Todd. And this is where the typical Lovecraftian madness would start to creep in because he doesn't know, was that whole thing a dream? Did I just my mind just generate that for whatever reason, or did I really experience this, Queen Arnie and this whole thing? Um, So he goes back to town back to the village and he confronts pedro and pedro's gobsmacked he's like uh, you're dead i saw you entered the flames i you're a ghost and todd's like he, he puts his jason hat on he's like relax senor jumpy I, I'm, a, I'm as alive as yourself and he lays out the whole thing for the villagers he's like you guys you got it wrong he sets him straight there's nothing nothing you are doing is meaning anything to these goat people. They really don't give a crap about their 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 headstones. You're just murdering people for the sake of murdering people. And you got to stop it. And the villagers are like, okay. Like, talk about an atypical story. They're just like, yep, yeah, all right, I guess we'll stop it. So Todd's tired from the whole day, you know, all his adventures with the goat man and, and Queen Arnie. And he goes back to the room and he falls asleep. And like a Mobius strip... He awakes in the darkness to see the shadow of a goat man in his room. It's like, what? Wait a minute. Was it all a dream? Did I imagine this whole thing? Here I am back at step one. Was What is real? I don't get it. So he races to the window and he finds a hoof print on the window frame. And even more shocking, Mount Pataxo, which was previously vomiting ash and, and hot stuff, Uh, is now sleeping like a baby, no lava, nothing. Uh, so he turns and he, he's trying to shake him back himself back to reality. And he, he spies something leaning against the dresser. And guess what? It's another slab of lava with a silhouette of a goat man. But in this instance, the goat man only has one horn isn't that awesome this story's like six pages and it's like the perfect comic story it's amazing you're you're brought into this world huh
0: no i was gonna say six pages i it sounded like it was like a 200 page book no it's six (laughs) pages long
3: it that's the thing it's it's from way back when yeah jam-packed
0: oh
2: no there's at least uh eight six to eight panels per page like it's chunky and uh you're ushered into this world very little explanation and Sikowski does such a great job when you enter the volcano like you th- I I thought I was an observer I was looking I was one of the goat men just standing in attendance as Queen Arnie explains all this stuff to good old Todd and the, in 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 typical Lovecraft territory uh with the 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 questionable mental state of the protagonist but there's no full-bore descent into madness that were you know normally accompanies these stories todd doesn't die at the end the villagers just stop doing what they were doing the injustices come to an end like it's atypical all across the board the 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 paranormal characters they're not malevolent they're not out to kill anybody it was so refreshing that from the period usually you'd have the O. henry thing at the end where um uh, the the massive twist, and usually on the darker side, but this has a nice little twist in that it just, it ends on a positive note. He got what he came for. Nobody, well, uh, not discounting all of the many people that the villagers previously threw into the flames and did die. Um, but it begs the question, though, if Queen Arnie wanted the sacrifices to stop, it 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 makes sense to assume that there were sacrifices after her. Todd proves that, right? So why didn't the goat men just save all those people? Like, Oh, they're throwing another loser into the fire. Let's just not let him get burned and let him walk out. Like, why did she need Todd to, to go back to the villagers and explain it all? Why couldn't she have done a previous person and then stopped? Like, the, like it doesn't, there, when you try and piece it together, it doesn't really make sense why Todd's the one, but who cares? It's a fun little story. Um, And it has an almost it has a happy ending, and I thought it was great. It's like six pages. Stop it! We (laughs) we don't get this anymore, and I love it. And I read the original. Um, I don't believe this has been reprinted, but not in anything relatively recent. Um, There's also a Gene Colan story in here. I won't get it. Yeah, I won't get into it, other than to say, the Gene Colan story is called. Let me get to the page here. Um, Terror in the Coal Pits. And this is 1951 Gene Colon, so it looks nothing. Absolutely nothing like what Gene would later uh, transform into. Uh, everybody has huge eyes. The the anatomy is grossly distorted. Uh, in a good way. Um, like characters, are, men are handsome, women are beautiful, but they're, they're cartoony. And I don't ever think cartoony when i think gene colon but if i showed you this and 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 put it in front of your eyes and i said name this artist gene would be probably one of your last choices it does not look anything like gene colon and i'll i'll take a page or two of this and put it up on the the website for everyone to see um just go to the as usual go to the episode thread click on the gallery and you'll see all this stuff Ah, I have so much fun with these old stories. I never want them to end, and they probably won't because there's a treasure trove of stuff out there. There are uh, so many. And a lot of this stuff is public domain. So there are sites on the, on the uh, web, legal sites on the web, that archive this stuff um, for you to download and read, and you're not traipsing over anybody's rights. Nobody's losing money on it. They're, like I said, they're public domain. You can experience this stuff all for yourself. To the loss of no one. Yeah. Yeah. Neat. I think we have an orama in the making. Should David take his segment down uh,
3: a road? Uh, yeah. I guess I guess I could do that now. Is does does two make an orama? Well, it's more than one. So yeah. It is all right. I mean, you know, it's our game, so we can we can, we can do whatever playing. the hell we want to do. Yes. Yes, we can. Um, there's going to be more tangent to this than 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 probably discussion talk of the actual content um, of this book, but uh, we are now about to enter a first ever NBM Orama because <laughs> I have <laughs> what? It's baffling that we have an NBM Orama. I know. I know. I love it, and I wish that you know, we do the uh, I, this is volume one. I have volume three right next to me to my right, and I'm waiting for volume two. Hopefully, in my next shipment. I don't know why two didn't come with uh, didn't didn't ship with the others. It, it, it's the weirdest thing. I'm I'm just gonna you know it, it's I'll blame the pandemic. I don't know, but um, this is a book from the '80s, originally published in the '80s, um, and I. Did not read it back then. I always saw the ads. I, um, I, yeah, Renegade Press published a bunch of books, a couple of which I've read. Um, most didn't. And, and this was one that I think because of the subject matter, even though visually it was always very appealing, I probably just wasn't going to get it or, or there'd just be some things over my head. I'm talking about The Silent Invasion by Michael Cherkas and uh, Larry Hancock. and This was uh, this first volume, The Silent Invasion, Red Shadows, with an introduction by Max Allen Collins, collects, um, reprints the first six issues of The Silent Invasion, uh, which was originally published in 1986 and 1987 by the Aforementioned renegade press. Um, the creators are from Canada, which you can find out as you read it, because uh, there are a couple of extra U's in some words. Uh, realize is spelled with an S, and and uh, but the story does take place in the states. Especially, uh, there's a a reference to events that happened in Albany. So um, the reason why it probably wouldn't. I I I didn't read the issues originally or, or didn't seek them out. Um even though the ads were extremely intriguing I always felt because the, the the ads were a mystery and and of course you know you have to read the book and and, and guess the mystery. But the but story takes place in um in 1952 uh in the uh late spring and uh summer of um of 1952, and our hero of the tale is a Mr. Matt Sinkage, who is a reporter, and he is just completely—he's um, obsessed, transfixed. Whatever you want to say um, about flying saucers, UFOs are his thing. And 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 um, what's weird is that while he's going gaga over spaceships um there's a real menace in in 1950s america of um of communism and 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 pinkos and the uh there's the mystery that matt is trying to unravel um he cannot remember something that happened months prior and uh his, his fiance Peggy his uh his brother Walter and Walter's wife katie they they um they just keep mentioning Albany and and you know mm-hmm. that he was in the hospital and and there was an episode and uh we don't talk about it but you know they they keep reminding him of it and all he thinks about are the bright lights that he saw that night the the, the lights in the sky and it had to be flying saucers and everybody else is telling him no and and he's Refuses to to believe them or see things from their point of view because he remembers he knows what he saw, um, but then there's also a mysterious council involved and um, and and federal agents that uh, want to. They're basically setting Matt up. Um, Matt has a Russian neighbor, the very thick accent. And, and, um, and his neighbor, uh, Ivan has a secretary, um, who, uh, her name is, is Gloria, Gloria Amber. Um, so she's Ivan, um, Kalashnikov's secretary and Matt's not aside from Ivan being a very nice man, um. Albeit Russian. Uh, you know, Matt doesn't think much of him, uh, about him, but he um Peggy is concerned about her fiance. Peggy's mother doesn't care for Matt. They, they they've had the wedding postponed countless times. Um and, and this is a story that I am really glad i'm finally reading and and i'm not it's not a story that it's not one of those things where i'm kicking myself for not reading it sooner because again i don't know i'm not saying things would have been over my head but it's definitely not something that that me in 1986 would have really been gaga over to to to, to get the next issue of Sound invasion and find out what's going on in matt's life uh but there are more volumes to read after these six issues and and this book the first volume ends. Um, it does end. There, there, there is an ending here. There's a beginning, middle, and end to to these six issues, to, to this volume. Um, things kind of wrap up kind of quickly, so I'm not sure if that was always intentional, because it's a little... Uh, it's not slow, but it's definitely just a deliberate pace, and, and we're not really in a rush in the first few issues to, to get really from A to B. We're, we're, we're still establishing the characters. Um, they're still trying to not necessarily mislead us, but but let us know that you know, maybe Matt's not so crazy and still what is going on with the council and the Russians and everything else. And are they really Russian? And, and so they're, they're throwing a lot at us in these first few issues, but, but the sixth issue does kind of, um, it feels like it speeds up a little bit towards the end as we get to a conclusion. But obviously since there are more volumes, um, the story isn't over. I do not know right now if the story continues for Matt and, um, any other characters I'm dying to find out as soon as i get that second volume i'll know but i'm stunned the, uh, you didn't get it i did i just haven't received it yet
2: it's no it's, i mean that, why that's why like, haven't yeah, you received I, it i got mine i
3: don't know did you really that that's crazy but yeah, yeah. so uh so yeah so as soon as i get it that, that that'll probably be the first thing i read when the box comes uh so this way i can dive right into the third when i'm done and i think a fourth one is coming
2: um the fourth one will be all new stuff
3: Right, right. And, yeah. and so I'm not sure if it's, if, all, if it's all new stuff based. I mean, I don't know what the does, the... does it jump forward? Okay, first of all, Vince, did you read this when it was coming out?
2: Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, of I course. bought all these okay. off, the, um, off the rack. So what would you the, think? The fourth volume will uh, collect secret messages and new stuff. Um, what did I think? I, I love this series because obviously Chris Carter was a fan. Because <laughs> yeah, this book is such a precursor to X Files that it's ridiculous. The whole ambiguous nature of the the again the mental state of the protagonist is he is he onto something? Is he completely bugfuck crazy? Was he abducted? Is it a government uh, plot? Yeah, burned and, and, um you know,
3: don't know. You know, You never see anything really. It's all in your head or in in, in your mind to, yeah. to figure out. I, I think, think Matt's
2: up. great. I, I think Matt Sinkage is a great character. Um, I do too. you gotta sympathize for the guy because he has his, he what? has his intuition and he, and he's, and he acts on it, but he could be totally in- crazy. Like, mm-hmm. and then the fact that he's looking for the white rabbit when the threat of the Russians infiltration is like literally <laughs> net, right next door to him. Like they, the, the Russians are on the same floor as his apartment like you conceptually you can't scream it louder this thing is literally at his doorstep and he's like okay you know she's hot but um yeah i i think peggy is uh is a cinder block around his ankle but absolutely it happens 100%. uh and the uh michael Cherkis, i think it, back in the day i saw it and i was like this is messed up these people all have loaves of bread for heads and, yep. and they got this this long squiggle down the side of their faces. I don't understand this at all. Nope. Uh and that was maybe the first issue, by the second issue I was like I really love the way this guy uh depicts the human form because it's 100%. yeah, it's so off-putting and so stylized the that bodies
3: are so big. They're yeah. so large and and just little heads and 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 feet that kind of go I mean they're not they're not um Jack Davis feet, but they're just I mean the, the, the bodies just look warped and and it's but it, it it works i mean they all look like this so it's not like anything really looks out of the ordinary i mean you're not going to put this next to you know ron garney art and and
2: you know well yeah that's the thing but it's, it's i think it works for the book and it works against yes. it too yeah because i mean for as many adventurous readers as they did manage to capture back in the day i'm sure there were scores many many more that took a look at it and it's like this is not amazing spider-man Superman doesn't look like like what is this going on in this book? There's no color. The people are all weird looking. They got little tiny heads. How could you ever put a hat on this head? It looks it, it it's it, I don't get it. But uh, I I appreciated the art, and yeah, I know you do too. But um yeah, there, it was a tough sell back in the day, and it's amazing that they it lasted for as long as it did and as many iterations yep. as it did because it, um there was a number of of different series there was. Uh, uh, abductions abductions started, and then i i don 't think it made it past one issue and then they they took that one issue and they they turned it into something else secret messages or or something but i mean if you wanted to detail the the publication history of silent invasion you'd probably have to go to the wikipedia page because it's all over the place and it I just think the series is great, paranoia at its finest
3: yeah yeah i uh so so this seventh issue and on. so so does it continue met story or do we just take um housley's investigations and, and tell stories with that or i mean and if you don't want to tell me so i can find no, you're
2: just going to have to read the second volume
3: okay all, no. right. all right i, I, I won't be
2: absolutely responsible for um, that
3: i know i've seen various issues at cons over the years i mean i picked up the adventures of cat and jack recently at, at the last time we were heroes so you can still find issues like this out there um I don't, you know, I don't think if you can find issues four and five, then you know you should grab them, but because uh, you'll be hella lost. But um, I would get them in the hopes that you know you can complete the series. But this was, um, yeah. Again, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad they decided to reprint this. I'm glad they decided to collect it and uh, and make it available. And um, being was nice enough to uh, to do that. For us, for me, and and, uh, and and I could finally read it. And I think, again, I think I could read this now and enjoy it um, as old as I am. Take it for for what it is and try in, instead of either forcing myself or just kind of going out of my comfort zone to read something. I mean, of course, I was reading different things. I was reading uh, reading Grendel back then. I'm re- you know I'm, I'm not reading Grimjack. So so non mainstream stuff wasn't. I, I, I wasn't allergic to it, but they are just something. But I still was reading things like Grimjack and Grendel because visually they were appealing and and they were um they were still hitting that that sweet spot of what I love about comic books. But this this yeah, I mean it's a it is a it is a straight black and white comic book. It it is the the illustration is just I, I love his thick outlines. I there is it's it it looks like it's from the eighties. I don't, you could probably see this art in, on a comic strip in the newspaper, but, um, yeah, it just, some of it reminds me of, um, I mean, yes, it's very Dick Tracy in the way some of the characters look, especially the vehicles. Cause it's just the fifties. So, you know, everybody's driving those, those big fair lanes and, and Thunderbirds and model T's. And, and it's, um, it's, I, I really really like the uh the care and the um the way they handled all the characters in the book i mean from from harrison and 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 mallet and and maloney and everybody all the characters served a purpose it wasn't um there wasn't anybody who who shows up that you kind of just um forget about or or just kind of walked by An alleyway and and you never worry about them again it it's it's this was this was a very carefully crafted story told with with a lot of love and um and yeah i mean i if 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 these two guys can can tell a story like this because you know they're they're imagining things that they may see in their telescope and and can uh and can weave things out of that um um, i I'm, I'm happy creators like that uh exist in the world and were able to, to to give us something like this this was this was a lot of fun i definitely definitely recommend it i'm glad I finally was able to um it, it and again it's one of those things when we're talking about fancy and flashback or i find i find an ad in amazing heroes or something and it's it this was always one of those things where i mean last this this could have been on my list last week it wouldn't have people would have been like i don't know what the hell he's talking about but for me it would have been one of those things where i'm kicking myself that i never got around to read and um i'm very happy that it's that it's out now and i love I, I i love the feel of the trade it's 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 um i like the cover it it's just and it's it's that that thick newsprint type paper it's it's a great collection i love the packaging of it
2: i think the renegade uh publisher did not do uh cherkis and hancock any favors i think the series would have been taken much more seriously if it landed in what i think would have been the best fit which would have been raw these guys could stand shoulder to shoulder with spiegelman and Panther. anybody that was in, in raw if you if this was printed within raw you would it would not seem out of place it would seem like this is uh entirely uh 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 copacetic with everything else uh, visually yeah. that that goes and and it, it because the story treads many different genres i mean it's science fiction it's noir it's uh crime like th- 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 there's there's a a, a bit of uh um like a romantic uh not comedy but th- there's a little bit of romance in it and it's just it's all over the map right and i think um uh, there's espionage i think it would have been neat if they this uh at least the visual presentation got the justice it deserved and they it appeared in raw because at in the early 80s or whenever this was printed what uh 86 um i think there was a outpouring of just tons and tons of different books and uh many of which were not all that great you know, uh, I glommed on to the uh, Vortex and the Renegade and all these other publishers. But for every good publisher, there was maybe 20 or 30 just people just trying to cash in on the Turtles. You know, that that's uh, that's basically what it was. Eastman and Laird hit, hit gold, struck gold. And these guys were like, well, we can too then. It, it looks easy to us. And you just had scores of these books just littering comic shops. Um, and a lot of them just didn't get sold because they were crap which was not what Silent Invasion was. But are you going to be able to pick a shrimp out of a tsunami? I don't think so, right? It's, it's hard to separate everything from this giant wave of stuff and focus on the really good things. I don't know. I should have said lobster. But, um, yeah, it's, it was a weird time, and I would try everything, and a lot of it would be just poop, which is not what Silent Invasion was. No. i just i would have loved to have seen this in raw i think it would See, have that's
3: interesting cuz i mean but you're you're a lot more well versed when it comes to raw than, than i am i was thinking um i don't know why i always think of of when when i think of the publishers in the 80s that i loved and i i bought almost everything from um you know your 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 first your Eclipse, but but your kimiko but then and I think of the other publishers that i've i'm I'm familiar with and maybe read a couple of things here and there, but one that always comes to mind that I think um might have gotten the short shrift was uh slave labor
2: oh hell yeah, yeah, he was too upscale yeah
3: their stuff is what I think about is 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 it science with dr radium and I mean I just i and and even um uh he wasn't Chuck Austin then, but, you know, there were, it, 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 I just, Renegade is there, Slave Labor Graphics is there, it, it's, it's, um yeah, but Renegade, Renegade, didn't Renegade also do Mystery?
2: Stig's Inferno. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to, th- like, there was a, a very short list of, of books that Renegade published, but they were, yeah. from what I remember, they were all very good. Um, or did Vortex do Stakes? I think Renegade
3: did Stakes. No, I four. think Renegade did,
2: yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Willingham got his start uh, at uh, Renegade, if memory serves. I think you're right. But uh, No, I mean, it, these things are great to, to revisit. And, and like David said, you will encounter these things in back-issue boxes because publishers, or not publishers, um, uh, uh, comic book shops were stuck with a ton of these things. Uh, just because there was such a glut. I mean, the, the the readers wanted to cash in on something they could turn around and sell for more money. The uh, comic book shops wanted to get something in that they could cash in on and turn around for. So everybody was, they were just throwing tons of money at these small press publishers in hopes of repeating the the lightning that struck Friesman and Laird. And <laughs> uh, I don't think anyone uh, managed to pull that off other than tundra or uh, mirage oh, mirage Sorry. yeah yeah cool love this book
3: nice i'm
2: oh, glad jason you think jason will get a kick out of it i, I think he'd like it yeah yeah listen it's mbo morama how could i not <laughs> well, i think I that's have. a very pat answer but okay <laughs> that's all right my friend do we have what do we have what else do we have we should have more comics right
3: we should We're better
2: Jason, anything?
0: Um, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think uh, what uh, most floated my boat that I read this week. Let me think here. Um, uh, oh, you know what? Yeah, I did want to. Um, I don't know where you are on this It's on your list too, Vince. I but I read the first two issues, so I don't know if you were planning on jumping in on the on the the Grendel Kentucky joint. How did you read number two? Because the same way I read number one, she they, we get review copies of it. When did she send that? She sent that first. The original the original link, which was supposed to be Grendel, Kentucky 1, she mistakenly included 2. Oh, nice. And she sent a follow-up email and said, oh, sorry about that. Uh, make sure you don't talk about 2 before you talk about <laughs>
2: oh, 1. Oh, see, I must have seen the follow-up email and not the original. But yes, I did read Grendel, Kentucky number 1. And And what did you think of it? I thought it... What did I think of it? Uh, first of all, it's written by Jeff McComsey, illustrated by Tommy McComsey.
1: Lee.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. Illustrated by Tommy Lee Edwards, and you know, wherever Tommy Lee Edwards goes, so goes John Workman because he did the lettering.
0: Uh, uh, yeah, it's a
2: four-issue miniseries published
0: by Upshot.
2: Yep, and uh, issue oh, I'm number. Sorry. I just- cut you off again sorry it's all right you douche issue number one actually will be in stores september second so this is kind of a sort of a, it is an advanced review uh it's a period piece uh it takes place yes. in 1971 uh it's basically the backwoods version of beowulf yes and uh, you have this <laughs> Exactly right. <laughs> it's cool though. It, 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 the The opening scene: this man uh, gears up. He he's loaded for bear. He's got guns and grenades and and protective gear, and he's he's at his truck and he's he's putting all this stuff on, and it's perfect. Tommy Lee Edwards, like you get yeah. it, it's it's a silent montage, and you see him putting all this gear on, and he's very determined. And we look into his eyes, and he's like, mm, "I'm gonna do this," and he walks into this cave, and okay. That's neat, I thought that was that was a nice little setup because it, it it there's a mystery like why is he going in there? What is he hoping to find? It, it must be something very formidable if he has all this this weaponry on him and then we're told uh that Clyde Wallace, the head honcho of a uh marijuana empire, has been found dead he did uh, his son Denny long-haired i mean he's he's a cool-looking dude but but he's kind of stoic um he he is um seems to be the 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 running man for this organization where uh load up the, the the station wagon or the truck with giant bundles of weed and we'll just take it you know drop it off and the cops seem to be in his back pocket because when when denny is told that you know something's up he's told by a policeman and he's pulled over and he's got a bag full of money in the car all open you know completely visible should a cop lean into the window or come to the window they would definitely see it they would definitely see all the stuff in the car and the cop's just like uh yeah denny uh, like so the cops are basically in cahoots with this this family and you know he told him his father's dead there's a a, uh an adopted or uh uh taken in young lady named Marnie who is the head of a female biker gang called the Harlots and they all gather for this Clyde Wallace's funeral and they do it Viking style they're they're all saying their piece and the the casket is up on this dais, and um Clyde's father grandpa and Denny and then they ask Marnie to go up they have torches and they burn the fuckers uh coffin in front of everybody this gigantic gathering of bikers and and criminals and, and drug runners and they're all sad but it it, it turns out that and they don't say this specifically in the first issue which is why um, the, the, the mystery at the end uh, the old man goes to that very same cave that his his son had entered and he's carrying a a, a pig and the pig's all trussed up and he flops the pig down and exited, exits the, the cave toot sweet and then we see this thing uh, from the shadows just come this arm stretches out and blah, it takes the pig and so there's a creature of some sort lurking within this cave and I'm guessing that Clyde in the first segment went into the cave in hopes of destroying the creature and it wasn't so successful but there seems to be a pact between the the citizens of this uh Grendel Kentucky and this creature in order for um good crops like they made a bargain with this thing i guess we'll feed you we'll take care of you we'll take care of all your needs just work your little creature magic and give us you know good yields every year because the main export of this grendel kentucky seems to be pot and um you know if you haven't got a good crop you're going to make a lot of money so um i'm guessing that's the whole thrust of this series probably Marnie and Denny are going to go after this creature it's only four issues so I don't see it getting too complex or involved but yeah I thought the first issue was wonderful how could it not be Tommy Lee Edwards is on the art
0: right it's gorgeous it is gorgeous I have to say uh in spite of the name I didn't know that it was going to be Beowulf going in um so that last page or two, I was like, oh, okay. Oh, okay, I get it. Um, I won't go into detail, especially because I don't think it's due out for probably till October. But issue two is... Uh, if you exited issue one, not being clear that this is a remake of Beowulf, but issue two, it's very clear. Because <laughs> uh, the, the creature is front and center. But uh, uh, yeah, I I... I agree with you on the art for sure. It's nice seeing Tommy Lee, uh, do his thing. I I don't know that I'm like in love with McCumsey. I, I think that the uh, interactions between, um, the, the main characters is, is a little stunted and stereotypical at, at points, I think. um, and I, I'm not one for. Even though I did watch Sons of Anarchy, I'm not one that's preternaturally fun, that, like disposed to liking biker gang stories. Um, so like the Harlots don't do much for me. Um, I guess what I'm getting at is that for me, I, I have read and prefer other versions of Beowulf. Not the least of which was a few years ago when. David Rubin's version was brought over to the U.S. Uh, by Dark Horse, uh, so, so I'll take that all day to Sunday over this. But yeah, it was nice seeing Tommy Lee do his work for sure. Um, no, no, no arguments there. I, I think he looks great. One thing I will actually be giving feedback to their um, to their press person on is I can't stand the watermark. If you're if you're going to yeah. give us a book to review, you can't have the watermark in the middle of every page. I uh, if you're worried about piracy, don't give out review copies. I, I, I that was especially again, it's a visual medium, so you're going to slap a watermark on it. that is that is distracting. So um, now again, that's our readers will not have to worry about that. But since we were talking about a review copy, I I, I am not a fan of the watermark straight down the middle
3: of every page. Valiants like that too, and Dark Horse to a degree. But yeah, there there are some that uh, that are a little. I'll say egregious, but yeah, it it doesn't, I mean, it's, it's faded enough where you can make out everything and still read what's there, but it is, I mean, since depending on what else art wise is on the page, it, it can draw your eye mm-hmm. to it. it. It just, yeah.
2: I didn't mind the watermark.
3: Really? Yeah. I am curious. I mean, this yeah. is uh, the AWA stuff, at least that I can tell to date is all seems to be self-contained miniseries. Their first book, the resistance that, that that's a six issue series that the trade is in previous i i'm i'm curious to see how um how their uh how their trades are uh because I, I, there was the um oh what the hell the, the publisher that uh the vince and i ended up with all those fucking trades from from james's old uh in print but, oh
2: the not quite night of the living dead thing yeah
3: like i mean the the, the production quality there wasn't um super great but i just i mean they, they have some big names behind these, yeah. these, these titles and i'm hoping that um i mean the issues that are, I, I i flipped through Grindel, i mean I, I read the preview for for grendel kentucky and i had the first issue i was flipping through it at the shop um when they had they got it in but um and the, the free comic book day, which I have read the first issue of the resistance. I don't know how many times by now, because it was in the first, the first, um, AWA uh, upshot now retailer incentive. And, and that had the first issues of a bunch of, bunch of books in black and white and the free comic book day issue from upshot was the first full issue of the resistance and, and two previews of, uh, of a Cullen Bunn series and a Kari Andrew series. And, um, idea so i mean i'm the resistance it's, it's i like the idea of it jms can 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 start a good story but uh, the the d.o art for that um you he's just he's he's got ed harris and harvey Kaitel and and uh, mm-hmm. dean stockwell yeah. all set up for 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 roles and and whatever i mean you're not gonna get dean stockwell i can tell you but there's just certain things where it i don't like it just it's it's if it's not an adaptation of something that's already been been filmed, like I don't just just just, just draw characters, dude. But um, getting back to the topic at yeah, hand, no, the the first issue of Grendel Kentucky it looks amazing.
2: Well, it's smack dab in my favorite time on the planet. Yeah, so right. yeah, that's true. Although,
0: yeah. but with that said, though, I, I don't. Do you really feel like you got a vibe it? I mean, because it's set in like the hills of Kentucky? It's not. I I wouldn't have. I don't think biker gangs look much different today than they did the way he drew them. And the clothes.
2: Yeah. You know, the way the fashion tends to cycle around the, the the things that people are wearing in here don't look too uh, Mm -hmm. out of place. Uh, No, I thought, look, you throw a female biker gang in a book. uh, Yeah. As a fan of, of uh, sixties and seventies exploitation movies, this book just hit all the right, notes for me i thought now, are you
0: are you familiar with with mccumsey's other work i know he was uh-uh. He's done stuff for alterna no Sorry i, no. I yeah. thought
2: that the dialogue was was on point i liked the interaction between the characters i just the 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 funeral setting i thought was great uh there's the this guy recounting this this caper that he was on with with the de- the deceased i thought i i liked it i liked all of it um i'm glad i pre-ordered it and you know i'm i'm good for all four issues and uh i read american ronin too
3: yeah i i was i started it but since i um i wanted to uh i'm gonna it and it, it's in my previous video i'm I'm ordering the first issue i was I, I started reading the um the preview and i didn't i wasn't sure if i wanted to keep reading it or just wait until i have the issue in my hand yeah. but what well, did it, you think Vince?
2: i liked it I, I enjoyed it very very much um i like milligan i i always have sure I, it, whatever he does is 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 compelling to me but um, the the whole crime aspect of it that uh, Milligan was the key that turned the lock and I, I thought the visuals were, were really good um, I think the finished preview is much better than the preview art we had previously seen because it was basically just uh, in most cases line art and a little bit of flatting here and there mm-hmm. um, but the actual issue it looks great um, but the thing that I find fascinating about Upshot, and it reminds me of CrossGen in a way. Upshot publishes, as David said, this this well, well, it's a book called Upshot Now. It's 144 pages, retails for five bucks, um, or or around there. I got it for 250 on Discount Comic Book Service, and what it does is it takes the in case you missed it stuff, and reprints key uh, certain issues in black and white so as not to piss off the people who already bought the things it kind of like what Crosschan did with forge and edge how they offered very low cost collections of previously published books out of order
1: mm-hmm.
2: so you know if you're buying the trades you still had to buy the trades or it, it basically a preview book for two dollars and fifty cents and so you get to read an issue of Bad Mother or an issue of, you know, Granville, Kentucky or, or Devil's Highway and a bunch of other stuff. And you get to see stuff that's coming up for $2.50. Like, that is incredibly compelling to me. As with CrossGen, I bought all the Forge, all the Edge, even though I bought the single issues, too, because they look great on the shelf. You could just go in. Obviously, it's a pain in the ass if you wanted to read the story as it played out, because you gotta read one volume here and then go to this volume and go back to this other series, Edge, and there's more, and like it was all over the place. But I understand why they did it, because they didn't want you to just wait for the Forge and the Edge and not buy the single issues. Makes sense, right? And they were at a different format, too. They were, um, not standard comic book size. They were smaller. So, uh, neat way to catch up. Neat way to get a glimpse into what the publishers do, you know, does. And for two dollars and fifty cents that's it, it's i can't not order this like I didn't know about it prior to this previews because i I didn't really pay attention that's on me but now i'm just, I just have a standing order now every time the upshot comes out for two hundred fifty i I'm getting it. why not it it's It's something that um increases my knowledge of, of a certain publisher and if when i'm done with it, I just you know give it to the kids or give it to somebody here look at this. this is great. Mm-hmm. And it, there's like low risk, very low. So I, I, heretofore, I did not really pay attention to what AWA Upshot was doing. But Tommy Lee Edwards, once he set his foot in the door, like, okay, you got my attention. Cause I, I, aside from the other two guys, I don't mind Diodato. I, I, I he's not, he's not a big draw for me. But if he's on a book, I'll be like, all right. If, if the subject matter speaks to me, I'll, I'll try it. Uh, but he, now that Tommy Lee Edwards is here and this, uh, what is it, Aiko, A.C.O. that does American Ronin, like yeah. two very competent visual stylists, especially Tommy Lee Edwards. I just I've never been able to get enough uh, of Tommy Lee. I read turf. Still can't tell you what the damn thing was about. Oh, I know. Well, <gasps> that's because
0: what's his name? I uh, wrote it. And he was he he. it was the, the British uh, talk show host wrote it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Turf. I can't think of the guy's name. Beautiful Jonathan. book, but yeah, I, super wordy. Yes, yeah. Um, you guys have. I guess you haven't read Devil's Highway. The Devil's Highway, then, because uh, that's by, by Ben Brent, Percy. Right? Yeah, Brent 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 Scunover is the artist, and uh, Ben Percy of Marvel fame these days. One of their their big up and coming writers is uh, is involved with that too. Mm-hmm. He also did the. Uh, I haven't read it. The or I don't even know if it's out yet, but he's supposed to be doing that Year Zero book. Ben Percy with uh, with. Uh, Ramon on as well so they, they seem to have this crew it's interesting AW upshot because it's Jemis and uh, and an Axel, but it's it's backed by James Murdoch um, and so I would presume they have very very deep pockets uh, for a startup um, if people thinking who's James Murdoch James Murdoch was well is 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 Rupert Murdoch's one of Rupert Murdoch's sons and he was the CEO of 21st Century Fox when it got acquired by Disney. Uh, he made $2.5 billion that day. So, uh, And he was already a very wealthy young man, as it were. Uh, so he's got all the money in the world to make this something, um, if he wants to. He's so. into something, because uh, I'm liking what I see so far. Yeah, I I, I think like many non-Marvel DC image, um, they could really, really use someone like Vince or someone else uh, on their graphic art and design and covers. I I think their covers look super bad, like terribly bad, like really bad fonts and, and poor, poor Photoshop. And I think that in a, in a world where you really need to get everything right to, to carve out a niche, I, 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 would really like to see their covers be handled better um than they are a lot of photo reference a lot of but anyway
2: well there's an art to cover making and um in a lot of instances the dudes and dudettes that are very competent with sequential art aren't very good at <laughs> uh, at compelling covers so uh, case by case basis right
0: but yeah. I thought Tommy Lee's cover for Grendel Kentucky number one was great. Oh, totally like fine. That, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, no. But I'm like The Resistance, Red bordered. like I just think a lot of them are just not doing the book's interiors any favors. And, uh, you know, sometimes you see a great cover, because a small publisher will pay someone to do an awesome cover, and then the interior art, you'll mm. you'll be you'll be like, oh, wait a minute. you got to feel bait and switched. This is, I feel like, the opposite. A lot of the covers feel like they're Ham fisted, and then there are a lot of very good creative teams involved in inside the inside the pages. So I just that seems shameful.
3: I like the um, I like the look, I like the interiors on on Red Border and um, and Archangel Eight. There, I I think because they they did come out, they have come out with um, with a bunch of issues. I mean, we're not talking about like fifty two across the line, but they're they they've had a bunch of and they're they're eclectic, so not. You know, if you like one type of, um, genre or, or certain idea that, that doesn't mean, you know, like Devil's Hideaway is different than Red Border and, and, um, which is going to be different than American Ronin. And of course, Grendel Katuck. So they're going to have something in there. I think they're kind of like Dark Horse where you're going to find something you're probably going to like. And, um, and yeah, because of that, that now, when I, I read the first issue of a few things, um, I didn't know when they were supposed to drop initially, and then of course COVID. So I don't know what kind of how that screwed up the schedule. But yeah, we, we're getting the the emails with with the review copies, and and Lisa is nice enough to include the dates, the street dates when things are happening. But now that um now that we know that uh, or I've seen the trades solicited for some of them, I'll I'll be able to um to catch up instead of trying to figure out what issues I missed. I'll 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 wait for the trades on the books that caught my eye and then from here on out when when new series start like American Ronin I'll I'll just jump on when they start.
2: Yeah. Well that's gonna be part of my previews video. Um I focus a lot on AWA and I I was just in the mood to get a a bunch of new singles. Like yeah, yeah. We, we all love trades, and, and they're great. But I just had a, a, an itch to, to load up on a bunch of new singles. So I got, like, four or five new series from various publishers, two, three of which were from, uh, maybe less, were from AWA. And I just, I just want to try new stuff. I know? dig it. I'm with you there. Yeah. All right. Have we set our pieces? We could probably got along in your travels. I know I may.
3: <laughs> he may. Like, I may. Yeah.
2: Say, <laughs> uh, so hey, everybody. If you enjoyed this, please check us out on the Twitter, the Instagram, the Reddit, and the Facebook. Uh, if you would be so kind, take a look at our uh, Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Remember, if you want to get your books, get them fast and delivered right to your door and not pay as much as everybody else in the known universe. Go to Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com. Conan the Barbarian by Aaron and Asrar. Masterful. $17.49 for a hardcover. Reprinting the first 12 issues. The Scumbag, number one. Rick Remender and a host of very talented people. $1.99. And from DC, Daniel Warren Johnson. Wonder Woman, Dead Earth hardcover. $14.99. In Your Travels. Um, Kicking myself, because uh, uh, this came out last month, and I did not formally uh, congratulate the creator, and I should have, but that's on me. Big, huge props to one of, or in my estimation, the guy that does superhero comics the absolute best, recently reached a milestone. 250 issues of Savage Dragon. And so I want to give a big old bear hug to Eric Larson for doing what he does and doing it for so long and continue to do it. I read Savage Dragon 249, 250. 251 came out yesterday. Didn't read that. But 250 is a monster of an issue. It really is. 100 pages, um, most of it written by Larson. Uh, he has a bunch of help. But the one of the things that, I've always loved about Savage Dragon is it happens in real time. The storyline plays out as a storyline would in the real world. People get old, people die, new characters come in, new characters leave. Um, children, uh, little people grow into bigger people. Uh, it's just... It, it, it is everything that Marvel and DC are are not. Where Peter Parker has been 35 forever. Um, the... Uh, The main story is a riot because Larson's not shying away from the COVID. And you can tell uh, very strongly stated uh, what his opinions on the matter are. So uh, Dragon and Maxine are up in Canada. And they have been because they fled the country because of the xenophobia of the, the Trump administration and their followers and now they're in Canada and loving it and Canada's doing it right and they're making fun of Americans because Americans r- refuse to uh, to mask up uh, which would seem mundane and boring like that's the real world we get that on the Twitter and the Facebooks every day but knowing Maxine and her her uh, her needs uh, mm-hmm. she's she's going a little bit stir crazy like um she she doesn't mind all that much being cooped up but um the fact that uh, dragon can't get sick because he's got the healing factor the kids can't get sick maxine can get very sick and uh dragon or malcolm is is doing what he does and he's encountering all these people so she's got to be very wary of of being around him but she still wants that special malcolm attention vitamin D. yeah and uh uh larson doesn't pull any punches it's sexy time mal um maxine wants the the the, the sausage and she's going to get it and it just so happens during one of their uh encounters uh a bunch of uh up-and-comers sent there by dart uh, who knew full well that these little pikers uh, encountering malcolm would not turn out well for them and it turns out david did you read this yes the uh the uh malcolm's kids actually kill a couple of uh yeah th- these attackers the three, uh, of their,
3: three out of their four children now are killers yeah
2: Ma- um, malcolm just rips apart open face like open face has been in the book for a long time malcolm just yes. rips them apart yes. Uh, sorry My mama. it's very bloody it's it's uh it's not ex- well the, the the bloodshed's pretty explicit but the sex is not i mean maxine's nude more often than she's not and uh but there's a recurring gag there's three stories in the book featuring the deadly duo uh Kit, kill and, and uh kid avenger and they're it's basically the same story every time so the first time you read it it's like Killcat's being a dumbass as usual Kid Avenger actually saves the day and everybody's surprised. And so you read the first story and, like, okay, this is not out of the realm of all of the deadly duo stories I've ever read. And so the second story comes along where Killcat just mistakes a hero for a villain. Killcat's dumb and he just wants attention. He wants the ladies and he screws up. And Kid Avenger saves the day. So that's the second. By the third time he did it, I was rolling because I'm like, no, you're not going to do it again. And he did it again. It's the same story with different villains 3 times in a row, but it's funny. It's like the you know, there's joy in repetition, you know. Yeah. Um there's a powerhouse um appearance. Uh it's just a it it, it basically everything you loved about the previous 250 issues or 249 issues of Savage Dragon are all of of all of it's back in this Golden Age Daredevils in here. Um, there's a story, uh, Larson wrote and, um, with Andy Kuhn on art. It's wonderful. Carl Cosmic. And it, it's done in the, the, uh, faux, uh, vintage style with the dot pattern the moiré and the the flat color. It's just amazing. Uh, Hercules versus Thor appears in it. It's wonderful. It was 10 bucks for a hundred pages. Adam Warren has a pinup and there's a cliffhanger at the end of the main story, yes. and you get one of the uh, original appearances of Larson's dragon from um, oh, what the hell was the name of the magazine? Um, not, graphic the fan- No, Graphic Fantasy. Oh yeah, 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 yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. Sorry, because it's right yeah. on the cover. Not no, the, the back cover.
2: Yeah, not the super fin-headed uh, character he eventually transformed into, but the right. the more compact fin. It's it's wonderful i've you, said it a bazillion times you,
3: i um yeah you're right you're, you're absolutely right and and i know that um i've i've fallen behind i i because we were all reading it religiously i had a good clip um i fell behind and the shop got in some copies of 250 and some of the variants and they asked me before they asked me the tuesday before wednesday it was going on the shelf if um if I wanted one and I wasn't sure, but I grabbed the um the Scotty Young cover. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll take this one. So yeah, I have it. It's it's great. The first the main story is great because it's 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 over the course of a handful of weeks, like been said, dealing with COVID and uh Maxine's mom, May and and Kevin, uh Malcolm's <laughs> brother have a um have a sex tape and there's Uh, it's, it's just, it is, it's, it's, and I don't know, know, I, I love Eric's style and I love the way he draws ladies. It's, it's a fantastic one. It's a fantastic anniversary issue. It's well worth, well worth the price.
2: Larson's the Wolverine of superhero comics. He's the best there is at what he does. There's nobody doing superhero comics that's better than Larson. Nobody. I'll fight you over it. You may have to. Yeah, uh, there's a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle parody. Yeah, uh, it's 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 insane. Uh, and uh, I was going to say something. Oh, don't sleep on Savage Dragon in single issues. Uh, or, and do yourself a favor if you are buying it in single issues, never ever stop buying it in single issues because inevitably we all get tired of series and we're just like yeah i'll pick it up and trade and you're like what am i doing i have an unbroken run of savage dragon I, I need to keep buying the singles savage dragon is very there are certain issues of dragon that you will never find in the wild it's you can put yourself on a on a waiting list or a want list they almost never pop up and when they do you're going to pay stupid money for some issues it, I, I have. It's it's my one. I don't have many rules, but one of my rules is never buy, never stop buying Spawn, and Savage Dragon because I, in the past I have done it, and I've regretted it, and it took me forever to get the issues that I missed. There's a chunk of Spawn, right after issue say, one ten that are ridiculously hard to find, and I had to, I had to scare them up, but and I did. But um yeah, that those are my two rules. But anyway, if, if you want to read superhero comics done the absolute best in the uh multiverse, get Savage Dragon.
3: Here here. I got nothing else to say. Nicely done, my friend. Um in your travels, um the first Oh, this is actually the second arc. Number eight of um, Blade Runner 2099, which actually takes place um in the year uh, 2026, because it's a handful of years after the first arc. Um, number eight wraps up our second story, and it ends um kind of where it all began. So, um... I really, really enjoyed the first four issues of this book. I was along for the ride with the second set of four issues. Uh, it was slightly different because it, it it, it, it was off planet and, um, they were dealing with the fallout from, from the first story and, and it all made sense uh, Michael Green and Mike Johnson are your writers and Andre, um, Guinaldo is 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 the artist and it it's I like the ending of I I like how they wrapped this up and and I'm really really excited um for number 9 to see uh to see where it's going cuz again even though it's called Blade Runner 2019 number 9 we're back in Los Angeles and it's the year 2027 so um there's Probably going to be some um, some revenge or somebody who's been missing Ash since she's been off planet um, and maybe may have something planned now that uh, now that she's back. But but the arc ends with her back home. and, And I really I like the way they brought her home. But what was uh what was really neat is that um Titan's offering for free comic book day this year was a zero issue of Blade Runner 2019. And it's pretty much the origin of Ash. Um same creative team. Uh I don't know since the first trade's already been solicited um with the first four issues, I don't know where this will fall and if it will be collected or maybe when they finally do um something more deluxe in the future. And they could do it in order of publication and just stick it at the end of uh of the second volume. But I think um you know whatever you know about the first Blade Runner movie and, and Deckard and, and dealing with replicants um and and Tyrell this isn't necessarily the blade runner comic doesn't necessarily it it, it, ash is a blade runner she is she's a she's a cop and and so that's pretty much where um the similarities end she she just happens to be the same member of the squad that uh that deckard was and 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 that's it. So it's not like you're going to see any of the characters from from the movies um, show up in the comic. But 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 to see that world expanded um, and other. Other residents of of Los Angeles and and people who have to work with and and deal with replicants, it's it's nice to see. I I, I like the um, I like the idea of giving us more of of. Building on on what came before, but the zero issue um, was great because it's 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 not an anthology, but it's just it's it's a few pages of different times in um, in Ash's life when when she was a young girl and and kind of learning um, how people treat other people who have less and and where people consider their station. Um, so it starts off in the year two thousand and then then we jump to two thousand nine um and she uh she basically she's always had a handicap she's always had a problem with her spine, which is why she wasn't able to go off world with her mom and ended up being raised by um by her grandmother and so she um she she needs um a brace. And 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 crutches uh, j- just to walk, and and uh, she ends up meeting a um, a doctor in in I'll say in air quotes who can provide a- an attachment that will let her um, walk and and uh, almost pass herself off as as someone who isn't handicapped. And then we jump ahead to twenty thirteen, where now she's a um, she is. A member of of the police and um, is giving the uh, is is giving the the VK test to to determine if if the um, the subject is a replicant, um, and she's Ash is very very good at her job and and that's so they're basically just three little chapters of of Ash's life in the Zero issue so it just kind of gives you a little bit more information on his character that that the main series has been about. And, um, and yeah, I am still loving Blade Runner 2019. So yeah, in your travels, if, if, if you, I don't think it's too late. If you haven't, by all means get that first trade. Um, and tell me I'm wrong. I, I don't mind. Um, but I definitely think it's one of, um, one of the better comics from the past year. And, and it's, uh, it's yeah, and and I'm really looking forward to the ninth issue. But Inner Travels later in 2019, I'm still loving it. Um, hopefully you do too. What did you think of the movie? 2049. Um, I, I I ended up I finally bought it on um on Blu-ray, so I could watch it anytime. I I like I like a lot of the movie. Um there are some things where you, you kind of have to watch it more than once because there are parts where it is slow and, and it's, um, I mean, deliberately. So it's not like it, it it's boring or you you're taken out of it, but, um, there it's, I think it might be easy to miss some things, but I, I, I enjoyed, um, Gosling's character, Kay. I, I, thought Robin Wright's role as, as the, uh, as the captain was phenomenal. Um, I was kind of hooked fright right from the start and and i i, I love the um the mystery of it and and its connection to the first movie. It is an absolutely gorgeous piece of film I think it's fantastic Anna Demar is anna is is a vision, but she is she's she's great as joy um I don't want to compare it to the first one is that that would be unfair the first one blows many movies in my mind away and it and, and it, it the second one absolutely needs the first to, to, to tell the story, but I still think it's it's a very fine movie. I like okay. it.
0: Yeah. I haven't seen it, that's why I'm asking. Um Uh before I do many travels, Vince, uh, as the uh resident horror fan, uh I assume you've seen The Ring? Yes. What did you think of it? Unimpressed. Do you remember it? Yeah, un- yeah same, I, mm, same, same. Did you see I, the original? Yes. No, not the Japanese version. No, I. I'm talking about the American version.
2: Well, the original is much better. I, I, I don't get a lot of mileage out of set pieces, where, uh, you know, they. I think the whole thing with the little girl—it's—it's it's a trope now, in in um, horror films with the the, the long-haired girl. Yeah, and that's not scary to me. Uh, I, I don't like jump scares. Uh, not that I don't like them. I think they're cheap. Give me a give me a compelling story, um, and maybe you know some like Mandy. I thought Mandy was a great film because <laughs> yeah. no, it's it's oh, it's, sure. no, no, it's a it great 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 story. Yeah. Interesting visuals, um, experimental at times, which is is wonderful. the The whole creepy kid. Uh Jean... you got like
0: the you got the conjuring and then the Annabelle yeah, stuff. Yeah, it does yeah. absolutely nothing for me. I'm with you. I mean, I had never seen the ring. Um, not because like wasn't I wasn't avoiding it for any particular reason. I I've, I've watched lots of horror movies. I just never saw it when it was a thing and then kind of forgot about it and the other night everybody was asleep or out and it I saw it was available on the you know, on the uh streaming. And I'm like, all right, what the hell? I watched it, and like it's a well done movie. Like it's like a, like it's definitely. I mean, and there's there's, uh, I mean, Naomi Watts is in it. I think it was one of her first big starring roles. I mean, it's it's, but but it's. I just didn't find it scary at all. Like not even remotely scary. It was really almost more of a murder mystery. I was trying to figure out why this was like what happened to this little girl. Um, And then I saw that there's a sequel to it, which doesn't. But anyway, um, just before you move on,
2: yeah. One of the things I don't like about that movie is it has instigated a wave of fake paranormal videos mostly coming out of Japan oh, really? like yeah okay. they'll 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 do these um they have these shows where they'll they'll show videos to a a a, a live audience and they show the, the the most important part is the reaction of the videos and in most cases you'll get a bare glimpse of this long-haired creepy ass girl in the corner of a room and they all freak out Number 1 it's not scary to me. Uh 2 why would a ghost choose to take that form? It it, it there's so many questions I have. Um it and it, it ties into the whole creepy animated ghost doll mm-hmm. trend in in in, mm-hmm. in if you so you're a paranormal entity and you come back and you want to infest this doll. Why? It makes no logical sense to me. But anyway, just I I don't like the movie because it didn't inspire me or it didn't do anything other than waste my time. But I, I also don't like the movie because of what it has generated. And mm, it. It, you know, it's, there's just this proliferation of these garbage, fake paranormal videos that people take as, as real. And it just, it, don't go on YouTube because there's tons
0: of them. I will take your word for Not it. Not scary at all. <laughs> uh, in your travels, I want to talk about a little Marvel action. Um, Donny Cates, Nick Klein on Thor. Uh, issue number six, the final issue of their opening arc uh came out this week. And I gotta tell then props to Brian Newberry for prompting me to, to read it quickly. Um You know, I think it was a daunting, daunting task to be the guy who follows Jason Aaron as the writer of Thor. Um you know, that's a that is a tricky thing. And we know, I mean, we, we are fans of Donnie's work. We have praised pretty much most of the stuff he's ever done. I, I think it's fair to say, right? I mean, in some way, shape, or form, we've talked about almost every one of his big projects, both pre-Marvel and Marvel, and sung its praises. So so we are definitely fans of him as a writer. And uh, Nick Klein is an incredible, incredible illustrator. Uh, he makes my heart sing visually. Um, I think we, we touched on, at least to some degree, the first issue when it came out and gave it props. But... Um, I gotta tell you, man, for given how long and how amazingly consistent Aaron's run on Thor was, uh, Donnie had to do, he had to do two things. He had to make it his own, like it had to be a different take on Thor, which was going to be hard, and he had to make it good. And I think after this first arc, he absolutely did it. I I was so impressed with this six issues. I like stunningly. So, and it's not fair to say that because again, I think Donnie has proven himself to be quite a good writer and we've all enjoyed almost everything he's ever done. So I shouldn't have been surprised, but I guess I just went in thinking like, Oh, you know what? If this isn't super hot, it's not a big deal. Like it's not a blemish on Donnie because He's done a lot of other great work and he's following Jason on Thor like he's just he's taking the hit you know he's he's following the grenade from Marvel. Um, but I was wrong. Um, there's so much craft in these six issues that go about telling you a fun story, but at the same time, if you look under the covers it it's also a, a thoughtful way to retcon the character into something new so he can be different because when this arc starts, uh, it is directly after the final events of of Jason's. What is it? Almost it was eight year run, maybe I think it was eight eight nine years. Um, Thor is now king, and, and I guess spoilers. I don't know if people care one way or other, but I'm gonna you know, spoilers to how like some of the, the things. I don't know. I don't know how far along people were with Jason Aaron's run or what have you. But but this starts off where Thor is king of Asgard. Um, Odin is gone. Thor is fucking beaten up man he's he's miss he's got his 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 arm is missing it's it's now the destroyer's arm is is grafted onto him um he's haggard disheveled he's got a missing eye and again this all stuff happened over the course of Jason's run but he's just beaten and bruised and battered and he is the reluctant king he he he, he loathes being uh a he loathes being a bureaucrat um, just with every fiber of his being, uh, Lady Sif is now, uh, she's got Heimdall's role. She's in charge of the Bifrost. Um, Loki is the king of the Frost Giants. Um, and all these things happened as a byproduct of that event that, uh, happened, what, a year or two ago. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you're kind of like, okay, I get it. Like, this is, this first arc's going to be about Thor longing for his days as a hero, Um, but nope, because right as Thor is about to go and address all of Asgard and give a big speech that he was dreading doing because he didn't want to have to be a statesman, uh, fucking Galactus falls into Asgard and crashes into the middle of Asgard, and he's missing an arm, and he's, like, near death, and hooks you in that first issue, and I'm like, okay, I get you, I see you, and then we go from there, and basically the premise is, Uh, remember Galactus was the last survivor of the prior incarnation of the Marvel universe. He was the one living being that was able to pierce the veil from the old, the end of that universe into the new one. And, uh, apparently the, the Galactus contends that, uh, this thing that he calls the black winter, it's, it's a cosmic primordial force. And when it's basically like the black racer for for, for universes, when it, when it's, when it's the universe's time, this thing can't be stopped and it shows up and it destroys everything. And it's coming now. And he barely got away from it. That's why he's all jacked up. He barely escaped it and he needs help. And, um, so he, 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 he comes to Asgard to ask for help. Um, but this is where it gets cool. This is where Donnie takes a retcon, but, but in the context of the story, he, um, Thor doesn't want to see the the universe end either. Obviously, so he agrees to become um, the herald of Galactus, and Galactus gives him what he he always you know what he always does. He imbues him with his herald powers, and when that happens, what happens? Well, Thor gets rebuilt, right? Which is what happens. All the all the heralds get totally revamped and physically and and new traits when they're. Given powers from Galactus, and so now he is young, long, blonde-haired, badass-looking Thor again. Um, and you know, it's like off to the races. And I'm like, oh, that's cool, but it really is badass because the like I thought he was going to just tell us this maudlin story of old Thor being just wanting to be a hero again. It was—it's just not that at all. Like it's—it's it's super badass Thor. And at one point, um. Like all the cosmic people are there, uh, Silver Surfer's along for the ride, and it's it's uh, it's cool because it's Black Silver Surfer, right? Which is coming out of the pages of Silver Surfer Black, um, and the other some of the other heralds are involved. But basically, um, Silver Surfer knew about the Black Winter went from his time as being a Herald of Galactus, and he had kept secret from Galactus all this time four planets. And each of those planets are uh, composed in such a way that if Galactus were to eat them, they're like power-ups. And that's why he kept them secret from Galactus. So they realize that their only chance to beat the Black Winter is to let Galactus eat these four planets and make himself like Super Galactus. I love it. It's like, you know, it's like Optimus Prime getting like an extra exoskeleton extra or something, you know, when he did. Um so they go around these planets, but of course a couple of them are inhabited, and Thor's not trying to have that. So Thor sends the all these alien creatures to Asgard. So that's fun, because now you've got all these weird alien creatures hanging out in Asgard trying to trying to trying to uh uh acclimate like Volstag is basically the uh the stand-in for Thor when Thor's out on a mission. So Volstag's like beside himself because dudes a day ago is trying to make sure they had enough mead. Now he's trying to make sure there's like quarters for everybody, and he's just at his wit's end. Uh, and and they go about uh, superpowering Galactus to fight this Black Winter. But when it comes to pass, the Black Winter starts kind of doing his little case, like, all right, well, hold up now, y'all. Before you think this is going to go the way you think it's going to go, let me tell you about what you don't know. And he starts dropping some dimes on Galactus and kind of implies that Galactus's origin isn't as randomly altruistic as we've always led to leave. And now suddenly Thor's faced with a decision – does he stay at galactus's side as his herald and try and vanquish the black winter even if it's not that may not be possible but if they can, or does he step aside and let the black winter lay claim to galactus because Black winter made a pretty good good case for why he deserves to be able to claim galactus um i'll leave it I'll leave it up to you to figure out whether which side he takes, but I will say that uh it was like a straight um awesome like grift heist movie in the sense that thor outsmarts them both uh at the end of the day and so so the the first 5 issues are basically this this great arc where thor gets rebuilt he shows off at one point galactus is pissed at him and tries to take his powers back which he can do right and he can't do it and galactus is like i don't understand how can i not it's my power cosmic and thor said the hell it is He's like, you forgot, you made me the Herald of Galactus because I wanted to help you, but I'm also Thor, the God of Thunder, and I'm also the Odinson. He's like, I am the King of Asgard, I am Thor, and now I'm a Herald of Galactus. He's like, you can't fuck with me. And he, so basically he he outpowers Galactus, which I love, and, uh, and, and like during the course of this journey, Beta Ray Bill shows up, and they have beef, and Beta Ray Bill's like, oh, well, listen, man, I gotta get to Galactus, so if I gotta go through you, Thor, I'm gonna do it, brother – and Thor's like, try it. And Thor beats the fuck out of Beta Ray Bill in like three seconds. And Beta Ray Bill's like, what is going on? And, and Thor's like, dude, I'm not Thor anymore, man. Like, I'm Odin and I'm Thor. And I'm got the ke- like, like you can't fucks with me right now. I'm like, I'm O I'm OP Thor. Like, don't try. Like, don't step to me, bitch. And uh um, That doesn't sound crazy. like a as Guardian. I'm paraphrasing. I'm paraphrasing. Paraphrasing. <laughs> But this is where, and, and so the thing about the Black Winter is, uh, it can, if you want, it's kind of like Deal with the Devil, can show you your end, how you're going to die. So Thor can't resist as he's handling his business. He says, yes, yeah, show me. And then all of issue six is basically the postscript to this. It's, it's Thor's back on Asgard. He's depressed and skinny. He's still young and he's not deformed. He's not... His limbs back up. He's, he's been locked in his throne room. He he's doesn't want to talk to anybody. Basically, the lamentations because he found out how he died and he's, he's bummed about it. So finally, there's an intervention. Bader, Bill and the Sith come in. They're like, come on, dog. You got to tell us what's going on. Like, like, like you got to speak on it. Um, and Thor's about to speak on it and tell them. And you see the double page splash in his mind eye of what he sees as the end. And, and uh, I mean, it's a great reveal. <laughs> it's and it's a reveal of something that I personally have never been a big fan of. <laughs> but I thought, oh, I'm like, okay, well, if you're gonna use it in that context, it's kinda interesting. Like if that's how Thor dies, like, oh okay. Um and it wouldn't be Donnie Cates's the the thing I'm talking about. I'm trying to be vague, but but they're it's being led by a very logical person for Donnie to make the leader of this. But they're wielding a Mjolnir-looking hammer with all the Infinity Stones on it, the Infinity Gems. And I'm like, okay. Now, I don't know if this is just foreshadowing and this we're never going to see all this happen for ever or, or, or a year or two down the line, or maybe it's just like someday we'll see this. I, I don't know that. But I do know that this was a great six-issue arc that both made Donnie's, made this book his own, um, but without any just lazy retconning or pretending that everything that Jason's run had had in it didn't happen. And I think that's – in superhero comics, because we always know when a new creative team takes over, they get to basically start fresh if they want. I I think we can agree, since that happens all the time, the way that they go about putting the deck chairs back in order ranges from just super lazy, like just I'm going to pretend like whatever happened before this didn't happen, to – really well thought out and carefully uh, orchestrated, and this is the latter, and, uh, and it was so well done. And my only complaint is that I don't think Nick Klein stays on the book, I think, because I don't think he's fast enough to. Um, but uh, but man, oh man, this is going to be a great... Th- just the six issues would be great. You could just read this if you're interested in a, in a good sh- sh- uh, Thor story, if you're not a regular Thor reader and you just want a little taste of Thor, this six issues would be perfect, because it's self-contained for... It w- you know, it's a self-contained cosmic thing with with Galactus and all that, and uh, loved it. Really, thought it was great. So, um, major props to to Donnie for pulling off the the handoff of a very, very slippery baton. I'm of two minds on that that future
2: vision. You saw it. Read yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think the artifact is nothing more than fanboy wank. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's cool. Okay. But, but he's, that's one. it, that's the character he, the, he broke. Into I, yeah. Okay. I, I, yeah. I, I completely understand. Like, you know, let's just bring back the ultimate nullifier and put the infinity, uh, stones on it. Like, it's just, it, sure. it's, it's a, what if that, okay. it's, oh, it's what a,
0: what if. if that vision was a, what if for sure. Exactly. Yeah.
2: It's, it's neat. Uh, I, I, but it, that's not the thing that, that made me, st- sit up and was like yes it's the characters behind him that, that's I, that's nice. the selling point for me
0: <laughs> and that was at first i'm like oh really but then i thought nah, you know what i'm cool with that that's okay yeah so there you go everybody we
2: hope you enjoyed this we will be back uh blah 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 blah, blah. i don't know maybe soon maybe regular time who knows because we have news for you. Right? We have the results we do of the book of the month
3: club. Book we of the month. Do. Yes, yes, yes. August was um came up on us quick and and we um we kind of I we got the list out um finally and 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 uh it was it wasn't secretive you know, obviously, if, if if you're a patron, you got the email. The providing your notifications are on, and um, and if you're on Slack, um, you know that the uh, picks were made. But um, we had 11 Eisner winners and and, and nominees, and um, and of the 11, uh, I'm really excited about the winner because um, we had the artist on when the book was about to come out and, and uh, it'll be nice to talk about that first arc, but um, the runners up were, are you listening by Tilly Walden? Uh, Cats of the Louvre by Tayo Matsumoto, the dreaming volume one pathways and emanations by Cy Spurrier and uh, Bilquis Eveli, the house of the house by Paco Roga, kiss number eight, by Colleen A.F. Venable and Ellen T. Crenshaw. LaGuardia by Ndidi Okorafor and Tana Ford. Laura Dean Keeps Breaking Up With Me by Mariko Tamaki and Rosemary Valero O'Connell. Snow Glass Apples by Neil Gaiman and Colleen Doran. They Called This Enemy by George Takai with Justin Isinger, Stephen Scott, and Harmony Becker. And Bye. Wrath of Phantomas by Olivier ba- Bocquet and Julie, I'm going to say, Bye. yeah, I wish. Happy birthday to her. Um, uh But your winner was Bitterroot Volume 1, there. Business by David Harper, Chuck Brown, and Sanford Green. Yes, sir. So we'll be discussing that first arc in the very near future. The winner Before. of
0: the Eisner for Best Continuing Series.
3: Yes. No
0: surprise. And Vince, sure. Vince wiping his brow with a huge sigh of relief. Seriously.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Because yeah. there was a lot of stuff yes, in there. Sure. I'm like, oh, boy.
0: <laughs> Here we go. Uh, and I think everything nice. got at least a vote, right? Like it was one of those those months where there was a pretty good, good mix of of uh, of like there were it wasn't yes some almost months,
3: everything got a vote
0: yeah like some months some months you know it's it's one or two things who just run away yeah, but, uh, but, but yeah yeah,
3: yeah this was popping this was good so there yeah. you
0: have yeah. Takai was number two right the Takai book yes thought, yeah. oh my. We are done, people.
2: Come back next time. We'll have a hot and or cold beverage, maybe a sandwich, waiting for you. You know the drill. Say goodnight. I really need a noisemaker. That's not a good noise. That's a bad. No, we don't want that. We want something like boing or, you know, something that could pique their interest. David. That's a little long one. That was that was a little long one. That's longer than a, usual anyway. Good night. This is where you need the noise, man. Is there a price list for Funko Pops?
0: I don't what know. What do you mean? You mean in terms of the uh like the collect like a collectible price? like list? an overstreet for Funko Pops? Oh jeez, I don't know. Cuz hey. I have Nice.
2: I have some, I think, are a little spendy.
0: It's funny you say that because Jackson just opened up a Bricklink store because he's always going on Bricklink, and he randomly saw a minifigure, which he doesn't care about, that was like $60, and he owns it. So he was like, he ran down to the Legos, because as you guys know, we have massive Lego bins in quantity. And he spent hours sorting, and he pulled out all these. Well, first of all, he's got eight unopened sets, but he pulled out all these minifigures. And he comes up and he goes, "Dad, look at this minifigure. Look at how much I can get on Bricklink." And you know, these aren't like random prices. Like I'm like, they they move. And so, I'm like, "You have?" He goes, "Yeah." So he started a Bricklink store. So um, so we're gonna find out. But apparently, yeah, they, there's big bucks for some of these things, man. Like cool. for, like a single minifigure, like sixty bucks, dude.
2: Yeah. Well, you know the the scam at the Walmart, right? Uh, yeah, they they
0: take the fingers out and then they yeah, yeah they tape the box back in. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we had that. I mean, we, we we we're kind of at the point. It kind of makes me sad that we're done with Legos because Holden never really got into them. Colin was super into them, but then when he hit puberty, he kind of got past it. So Jackson is still into them, but it's it's definitely becoming more of a every now and then thing. But now that he's looking to sell some of them, I'm like, okay, well, we're, we're pretty much done with, with Legos. That really saddens me. But back in the day, when when all three were into them, I, I mean, and we buy a shit ton of them. I, I had a few occasions where we got we got the 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 no minifigure box, and it sucks. Yeah, it's a big downer.
2: Salt Peter.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm.
2: All right, for real this time, we're done. We'll be back. We love you. Out of here. That's it for that one.